Hi everybody and welcome to episode 513 of Conversation Street. Ooh, 13. It ha- this is the fifth episode, Gemma. Oh, it's the 30. fifth time we've done it. Yeah. Or was it the fifth? I don't know. No, it's the sixth, isn't it? That's how. Is it the sixth? Yeah, the 13th. I don't, I don't, never, I don't agree with um, zero. You don't agree with math, do you? I this don't agree episode. with the concept of zero. It's a mathematical idea. <laughs> I'm going to take it up with the Egyptians. <laughs> it was the Egypt. Was it the Egyptians? I think I can make up my own facts on this podcast, can I? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank well, you. it was it was an unlucky week for Abby on Coronation Street. This week, ah, Coronation. It I love was. Coronation Street this week. It's bloody brilliant. This is like the best week of 2022 so far. Long may this continue. But before we do, oh, what week is this? You hear? I hear you ask. Well, I tell you, the sixth to the eleventh of March, which is Sunday to Friday, because we had a whole load of courage to talk about this week. Tons of it, and the new time slot as well. That is episodes 10,579 to 10,500 and... No, 85. 10,500... 10, 000... 10,500... No, 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 Oh my gosh. Okay, first off, I'd like to get my apologies out for the beginning of this episode. Sorry Why? to everybody who was trying to download oh, the God. podcast last week. I don't know what went on with it. It was only on Apple, but most it seems like most people... Yeah, it seems like most people donate. get it off of Apple. But don't forget, we're also available on Spotify, Podbean, nice, and anywhere in. else you get your podcasts maybe. from, I guess, apart Probably from Amazon. Maybe. I don't really know where you can get it from. Wherever you got it from there, you can get it from there. No, I, I uploaded it like first thing in the morning. It was about half past six in the morning, I think, last Saturday. Um, and then in the evening, I saw people saying, when's the podcast out? What's going on? I assume the podcast is out at this point. It's like, yeah, it, was, it went out earlier. So I went onto the to the Podbean and it said, yeah, it's there, it's out. And people are saying, well, I can get it on Spotify. I can get it on this. And I just could not get it to appear on Apple. Um, and it, I was a right faff. I had to, um, I had to like log into iTunes. I had to go onto this Apple Podcast Creators Portal thing, which I've never heard of because it's something that has appeared since the podcast was first published. Um, I had to sign up for something, but then I think, I think what it was because I've I made this change and it worked in the end. It was something to do with this the the size of the cover art, um, because Apple has got a minimum. Um, cover art size requirement it's like 1300 by 1300 pixels and ours was like 500 by 500 pixels um, and it always Stupidity. always has been and I think again when we first started the podcast um, that that was absolutely fine so I just to see if it worked stretched out the image I didn't bother to do a proper redo of it or anything just stretched it out uploaded and then it then it um then it worked so yeah very sorry for anyone who had us incorporated into their Saturday afternoon schedule um you just had to wait oh well but i can exclusively reveal to everybody who doesn't know us already (laughs) we are available on amazon oh yeah you've just been checking while you have if you go to amazon and you search in conversation street i'm proud to reveal that we are the first result (gasps) please say that we're above jerry clarkson second result conversations with a street whore with a street whore yeah and then after that street conversation Oh, nice. Um, anyway, but listen, we what? don't have any reviews. So if you're one of the people that are 
listening on nice. Amazon and like to help us out like you you all did when we asked for Spotify reviews please feel free if you have an Amazon account to pop on there and just give us a nice review please who, who listens to podcasts on Amazon I don't well, you can listen to it on Audible I understand um, and it's free yes right um, and, and also what? if you don't if you have trouble accessing some of the older episodes there are 300 on there Oh yes, cool. Um, yeah, people. Uh, the, the, cool. the Podbean app is where I was kind of directing people to as a, as a first instance last week when they couldn't get it because it was definitely on there. But that's also the place that you can go to get um, all the old episodes as well. Um, right. So what have we had this week? We had Abby character profile this week. That was fun, wasn't it? We managed yeah. to spend an hour and a half talking about the lovely Abby Webster. Um, and Sally Carmen listened to it as well and she said she enjoyed it so thank you very much Sally Carmen um, and we have got um, well she would be too polite to say anything hopefully but else. she said she's going to get her tap shoes on and if you've listened to the podcast right to the very end you know what that's a reference to now very exciting stuff Gemma we've got a competition have we not would you like to would you like to say a little bit about this competition time Patreon contest yes this is our annual Patreon contest from our very kind anonymous donor with our Yes, our benefactor, yes. who has supplied us with another year's worth of Patreon goodness for one stuff. lucky winner. And if you would like to win this competition, the prize you will receive is a year's free access to our Patreon episodes, one per month. The whole back catalogue of 30-odd episodes. Yes. And nice. you also get a free gift along with all the other patrons every year. Yes, you'll pro- well, you probably end up, you might end up we'll getting get two mugs. Uh, no, two gifts possibly. Previous gifts um, for our top tier patrons have included a mug and a t-shirt. Yes. Um, and you also get a postcard. Oh yes, we do get right. a podcast. Yeah, Gemma does the postcard. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, t-shirt is going on at the moment, but we do need to in the next month or so decide what our prize for the uh, top tier patrons is going to be for for this coming year. Don't so I'm we? thinking Pet Rock, and you can all call him Chesney, and it will be exactly the same. <laughs> you can hit yourself in the, the head character. with that. <laughs> yeah. <Play> well, Daniel. <laughs> um, if any, but yeah, if any, if any patrons have got any suggestions for the kind of merch that you'd stumped. like for a, we haven't really given it that Michael, much. Michael Michael found a gazebo. Oh, yeah. But I think that's that. a bit outside our budget. We can't post gazebos to Canada. I'm so sorry. But yes, anyway. Listen, what? if you want to win I think we've gone a off year's topic. Um, patron with us, you need to answer a question. Um, We're making and, it easy this year. And then you might you'll be entered into a draw. We'll select the winner. And then they'll get a year's free thing. They will, they will. What's the question, Michael? <laughs> Right, so when we've Listen, done this, this podcast, this is only the this, third time we've done this. When we've done this competition in previous years, we made the competition question far too convoluted and complicated to really get you know the hardcore fans finding out things like how many episodes of we of conversation Coronation Street have we discussed on the podcast this year. It's very very simple, and I've actually been biting my tongue because I've been wanting to talk. I mentioned this so far this episode, but I haven't because I didn't want to make it too easy. Still fairly easy. The competition question is which anniversary. Is Conversation Street celebrating this year? Is it an anniversary? Quite an yeah, it is, isn't it? What do you mean? Every year is an anniversary. Okay, it's not a significant episode number, is it? No, no, it's not a significant episode number. We had that last year with episode 500. That might be a little bit of a clue for you. But which anniversary, how long this year in the summer will we have been doing this fine Stupid podcast? podcast. Going in your ears right now. That's all you need to answer. Easy, you can do that. Right. And if you, Email us. Yes. Competition. competition. Oh, what? The word competition That's in your head- headline to conversationstreet at gmail.com. You've got until the 31st of March to enter yeah. this competition. 
Right, just so to we'll, recap, competition, you win awesome. a year's worth of Patreon, anonymous benefactor, shut up. The question is, which <laughs> anniversary is the podcast celebrating this year? Answer, send it to conversationstreet at gmail.com with a header competition. If you don't have the header competition, we're not going to know. We're just going to delete it and on purpose. And as before in previous years, you can't win this if you're already a patron. Please. <laughs> No. We're trying to we're trying to boost numbers here, man. Yeah, yeah, that that didn't count. <laughs> but Sorry. thank you to everybody for supporting us. If you're a patron already, understand times are really tough. I know that not everybody can um, afford, especially now. So this is an opportunity for people who don't have the chance to get access to our lovely content, it's isn't really, it? Really good. So, so thank good. you very much to again our anonymous person. And should, would you like to do a quiz, Michael? Yes, let's do. The episode quiz. Okay. Quiz for things that happened between the 7th and the 11th of March in years ending in a 2 and a 7. And I sourced this from coronationstreet.fandom.com, which is, Michael? Corypedia. First question. You got that right. <laughs> yes. Right. 7th of March. Which year saw Dennis Tanner putting two sea lions into the bath at the Rovers? I'm going to say... That must be 1962. Correct. Well done. Yeah. 7th of March, 1977. What unorthodox cleaning method did Susie Birchall employ? Breaking the chimney. And what were the consequences? Um, an ashen lounge at number 13. Whose house? Hogden's. That's right. Yes. Just to explain, because that in no way explained anything that just happened. Susie Birchall needed to clean the chimney, so she dropped a brick down it, but she got the wrong house. She, yeah, she wanted both and to get it into number 11. Shenanigans ensued. Yes. Don't have those kind of problems these days, do we? No. No, it's just famine and blooming <laughs> pestilence and war. Eighth uh, of you March. You can sum all of those by dropping a brick on it. To be honest. <laughs> How many problems are can you not solve with a brick? Exactly. It's really interesting. Okay, Susie right. Susie Birchall was a pioneer. Susie Birchall, icon and feminist. <laughs> Next. Eighth of March, two thousand and twelve. Best year of my life. A murder investigation triggered is triggered by the discovery of which body in Underworld? Surely Frank Foster. Is that is that an answer or a question? Yes, it was, a quest, it was an answer. You had a question mark no. on the end. It's Frank Foster, you are correct. 9th of March, 1997. Jerry Turner comes after who with a sawn-off shotgun? McDonald's. Yes. Liz. Liz, yeah. 10th of March, nine, uh, 2017. Penultimate question. <gasps> Adam Barlow gets beaten after his deal with which drugs baron goes wrong? 2017. Deal with a drugs baron? Yes, can I just specify you you said deal, not dill, the herb. No. Uh, I don't Adam remember Barlow Adam got beaten up. Adam sharing any herbs with drug dealers, no. although that is a traditional thing to do. Oh. No, I don't know the answer. Well, here's to a clue. I was making it... fun of this person's name and saying that it was not a very intimidating name yeah you were no i don't Just remember lost. who it was i don't remember it's ronan truman oh gosh it was wasn't it was he ronan it was the one that came back as a different actor and he got himself um get himself skewered with a fence post oh man i should have remembered that bad podcast host last question what were we watching where somebody got skewered in a car was that that born ambassadors program I don't know, I got bored of that. And it's boring. What 11th of March, 1992. Curly and Reg fall out over the promotion of which country's cuisine in the supermarket? 
French, France. No. Italy. No. What? China. Oh, I don't remember. Apparently it doesn't sell. Uh, oh, well, I was doing fairly well with that. Five out of six. I got two wrong, so I'll take it. <laughs> two wrong? Yeah. Oh. I got the last one. I don't bloody know. <laughs> you were going to swear that I nearly heard I know, it. I know. Nearly heard an F word come out, Jamie. You don't even I don't. I again. never swear. <laughs> right, okay. Birthdays. Who's got a birthday coming up, please? 12th to the 18th of March. Yeah. Birthdays. Yeah. 12th of March. Writer Geoffrey Lancashire and writer Peter Walling. 13th of March, David Nilsson, who plays Roy Cropper. 14th of March, writer and actor Alec Hayes. 15th of March, Dawn Acton, who's Tracy Barlow III. Amy and Emily Walton, who are the first actresses to portray Bethany Platt. Ellie Leach, who plays Faye Windass. 16th of March, director Tristan Duver Cole. Melanie Kilburn, who played Evelyn Elliott. Denise Black, who played Denise Osborne, Jonathan Rayther, who played Joe Carter, and Aisha Darko, who played Tara Mandel. That's a long list. A lot of birthdays coming up this week. That reminds me, it's my sister's birthday in about two weeks, Gemma. We need to sort out getting her something. That's reminded me. Right. Would she like a quiz, a bespoke Coronation Street so quiz? good at those. Well, you know, the homemade gifts do show the most thought, don't I'm they? I'm going to send her Maybe. some marmalade because I've got lots of that. Oh, yeah, good idea. <laughs> Um, right, we're done. We get to talk about this week's Effort Coronation Street now. So what let's a get week on with we've that. had on the street. Let's talk about it. Right, it is time for street talk. Very excited to talk about Coro this week. It feels that it feels at last. I can't remember what happened. I don't. Lots did, happened. Did anything? M- many things happened this week. Yes, oh. it feels at last that 2022 has started on Coronation Street, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it's, it's this week's given it the kickstart that it needed after two months of kind of. Mm, and I'm sorry if you've been a big fan of you know. Chesney and Gemma's antics or Tim needing a heart drivel bypass thing but um it felt like with this week you kind of got the the start of what could be the a, a big story for the year which is something that yeah. 2022 has been seriously lacking it's like, it's like the A story we have got an A story now and the A stands for Abby and, and also Alfie. Alfie yes and awesome Yay. and many things and and I, it's also the B story because it's got batters being Oh yeah, totally is. Oh, Imran, you get that smile's gonna be wiped um, off your face pretty soon. I tell you what, but yeah, oh, it's so 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 good. Affair. I love this this week. Um, before we start talk about the stories though, we got our new schedule this week, haven't we? We had our Monday, Wednesday, Friday, eight pm. Cory for the future has been set at a new time slot. How did you find it? <sighs> More convenient for making dinner. Even though I was still late today. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we had, But can we had, I just point out what? that it shouldn't just be my job? No, I, I, I emptied the dishwasher. I held out a little bit. No, it it felt fine. I think I'm still going to always prefer the um, the half an hour's just for note-taking convenience. But I have <laughs> to say that, you know, with it being a great week this week, in my opinion, um, having hour-long episodes without having that pesky half an hour to, to wait in between was quite good. I wasn't... I wasn't kept waiting, thinking, oh, what's going to happen? I mean, and then they still had the same old... I didn't notice anything different with cliffhangers or anything. I didn't expect to. And and as far as I know, this week was still written as, you know, normal six episodes. But um, I, I, th- I thought it was fine. And I, and I think um, during the general feeling that I'm getting from online is that people have enjoyed this way of watching it. So... Um, Long may it continue. It seems to be doing okay in the ratings. I think I, I think I've only seen like Monday's overnight ratings, where um, 
both East and no Emmerdale and Corrie did relatively well and it is like you know it's four point something million which is still you know <laughs> very very low compared to how it was not too many years ago but um EastEnders certainly seem to suffer in their new time slot um but then I've I... also heard good things about EastEnders with you know Grey got arrested this week Gemma your favourite character <laughs> and, um, and the new set was revealed hashtag free Grey and and, and and stuff happened with Mina and Emmerdale this week so it was basically this week was a good week to be a soap watcher in the UK I guess so yay us Shall I say what stories we're going to talk about this week? I've got a couple of storyline titles that are new, some that are old. We have, finally, we've now revived the Habib Abbey Baby storyline, because we have got a Habib Baby, Habib Abbey Baby. He doesn't know it yet, but it is. Um, Alfie and, and Imran don't know, but Abbey does. Yes, yes, it's all going to come You said he, out. but you didn't refer to... Oh, sorry. We've got Sick Neelan. We had Rick Neelan. Now we've got Sick Neelan, because Laura is not doing so well. And we are, it looks like the Rick recovery of, of body storyline is now finally, you know, getting somewhere at last. Surely this isn't going to be another dead end that it leads to this time. Um, the Thrill of the Chess is our storyline title for our Sam and Roy shenanigans that are going on in the cafe. Gemma, Good enjoying one. that? Love a bit of chess? Mm-hmm. Um, Bishop to King's Rook Pawn 3. Exactly. Is that a move? Yes, and speaking of pawn, we also have a sex worker return to the street this week. Nikki. <laughs> Nikki back, which maybe sounds like something Nickel I back. don't know. Yeah, maybe. Also piggyback. Chiggy or pickleback. Yeah. Um, we, we've got a story about uh, about Glory and Grace and the birthday party <laughs> and everything. Story line title, Bailey Remember Her. I like that one. Can you barely remember Grace? She's not been gone too long. Grace? Yeah. Who is she? Exactly. Um, Scotch on the Rocks we had a little bit of on Sunday. Scott. and Same of the uh, with the Drop Dead Head story, which we'll squeeze in at the end. And I asked Gemma before <laughs> we started recording today whether she wanted to do the Happy Bubby Baby storyline who went through with me. You volunteered. So I'm going to pass to you, Gemma. To the story. story. Thank you. (laughs) Please remind us what has happened. On Sunday, because that's right, this week began on Sunday. Yes, well, we were at the cinema. We went to see the Batman, didn't we? Yeah. Americans uh, think the week begins on a Sunday. Yes. Isn't there a controversy? I don't know. Some people think the week begins on a Sunday. Well, this was last Friday's episode for sure, because... Because it starts on a Monday. I know. They referred to it being Friday, but let's for... Sunday. Yes. Abby wakes up in a drunken stupor. Which is normal not for, on a Sunday. Not for the last time. Or the first. An alarm on her phone tells her it's Seb's birthday. Yeah, it's a good day for, for Abby giving birth, isn't it? Was he... Is this all yeah, the same was, day? Yeah, this is the same day. Baby was born oh, on that, Seb's birthday. that's going to suck, though. Um, yeah. There's going to be a lot of guilt tripping going on. Well, I mean, this is all presuming that Abby actually gets to keep this baby, which is... Or Yes, Not to exactly. put too fine a point yeah, on it. Yeah. Right, so... She's not going to lose another kid. Don't be so sure. This is a soap opera. (laughs) On uh, Abby uh, starts tidying up and there's a knock at the door and it's Eileen with a bunch of flowers. She remembers it's Seb's birthday because she was his landlady. Mm -hmm. And Abby's crying. She's touched that anybody remembered. Yes. Very nice and rare Eileen appearance. That was lovely. Just a nice, you know, nice little character moment. I just want to say also that if you know somebody who's lost somebody... It can feel right to not talk about that person. But actually, you might find that the person who is left behind would rather talk to you about their memories mm. of the person that they've lost yeah, rather than pretending it never happened. Together. And we also get an Anna mention in this scene, didn't we? Because um, 
Anna Windass got a uh, posted a card through. That bitch. (laughs) 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 Right, Abby's hobbling around and she puts it down to sleeping funny. She and Eileen reminisce and Abby talks about what she had planned for his 21st birthday. Eileen asks about Kevin, but there's still no news. Uh, Then she has to go to work. Abby is rubbing her stomach and she's looking a bit pained and she decides it's time for more drugs. More she gear, but a nice bit of Dean. sniff from Dean. Yeah, yeah. I, look, this, throughout Friday, uh, Sunday's episode, she was just wincing a lot, wasn't she? And I, and it wasn't obvious what it was. She At one point she says to Dean later, oh, I need to go to Kazi. And I'm like, she, she's she's having a miscarriage. I, I went into this week completely... Uh, in 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 the dark about what was going to happen, and it was a secret reveal. It wasn't leaked to the well. I mean, it was the I seen the press knew and everything, but it wasn't leaked to viewers that Abby was going to be giving birth on Sunday night's episode. But yeah, I was going. It's a miscarriage, Gemma. It's a miscarriage, didn't I? Yeah, you but did. At the very end of the episode, it's not. Spoiler. So. I mean, we didn't even know she was pregnant. We we'd we'd all theorised that she was pregnant, but I, I was there. But yeah. Well, Sorry, I interrupted. Continue. Dean turns up with drugs and Abby stops him from putting a line on a photo of the family and gives him a placemat saying, I can't, I don't know. Outside, Kevin shows up. Back from his holes. Um, then we have a break and Abby's zonked out on the sofa and uh, Dean's blowing bubbles and she's like dancing like some kind of dozy kitten. <laughs> and then he starts trying to kiss her, but she pulls away saying, I don't want that. And then they sit back down um, and she wants, uh, he wants more drugs and wants to know about what's going on with the garage over the road um, because there's a fancy car on the street. And I think he sees that mug, doesn't he? The, yeah, the, the Webster's, Webster's garage mug. And he realises there's some kind of link between Abby and this garage. And he knows that he might be able to score some cars. <laughs> Kevin is in the bistro with Debbie and she is desperate to know what Abby has done to deserve this terrible treatment. But he won't tell her. And he says that he needs to um, check to see if she's okay because it says birthday and everything. And Debbie thinks he's scared to go over there because he knows that nothing good is going to come of it. And how right they are. <laughs> Abby is... Um, Abby's Abby's like, oh, my back hurts. Abby, So Dean tries to give her a massage. And this is when they're both going, oh, yeah, yes. go on. R- rub it harder. Oh, do you like that? Yeah. Oh, get right in there. It's okay then... because they were the only two people in the house. Oh, no, of course. Kevin Kevin's walks there. in Here's there. Here's this. What walks the in. What's happening? Here? Abby, Abby. Abby, um, Kev- I've got a whole black bin bag of pants here for you to watch. I've been away for two weeks. <laughs> Kevin orders Dean out. Abby's upset. He has a go at Abby. Um, she's trying to tidy up, and then he sees the, all the drugs on the photos and can't believe it. And Abby says, "Once a junkie, always a junkie." You knew what you were getting into. Um, and she swears she still loves him and Jack, and she'll clean up. But he's not very impressed, as you might imagine. I mean, what did you think about Kevin? Did because he he knew all of this. He he knew what she was like before he married her, and now it almost feels like you know the first sign of any trouble. And I know it's kind of quite a lot of trouble, but he's like saying, "Well, I'm, I'm not having anything to do with you." Well, she promised have... that she would, you know. I know, but I can't I... really get mad at anybody in this story. It's just they just don't tragedy. seem to have been married for very long and already he's given up on it he's not yeah, really fighting could, for okay her right i'm an i'm an abby fan but you can also say they've not been married very long and she's already on the drugs <laughs> so 
<laughs> well, she was partly on the drugs Ipso because of his reaction to the one night stand that she had before they got married. After which point, he said, "The past in the past." So. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Kevin goes, Dean comes back, he starts clearing up, but Abby says the party isn't over, she's just getting in her stride, so they, they play on the Xbox, and Abby's like, oh, I'm in pain, I guess she's losing. That's what I was going to say, yeah. I, I, can't, I don't, I don't know why she's in so much pain, because it's not to like they're playing the Mario match. Kart. <laughs> Most painful game there is, <laughs> apart from Smash Brothers. She rushes off saying she needs to go to the loo, like you alluded to earlier. He takes this opportunity to take the garage keys and sneak off. When she comes downstairs, she hears a horn, rushes outside and panics because she sees Dean stealing a car. And so she gets in to try to stop him, but he drives off with her in the car. I don't really get why he was there honking the horn. Is that, is that the best <laughs> way to steal a car? Right. Hey, everybody, just steal this car. Look at me in the car. Boop, boop, boop. See who can get a good uh, e-fit of me. Yeah. <laughs> He zooms off. He takes it out onto the into the countryside. Yeah, I think it was up to the moors. It felt like it was a similar sort of area to where um, where the paper mill was, where Phelan was had all his bodies buried. It, it felt like it was kind of over that way, but I don't I'm know. Not there's, say, probably, there's probably plenty of probably you know outside country wrong. areas around Manchester, but she's like, oh, ow, oh, ow, oh, I've got stomachache, or I need to poo, or I'm having a baby. Something's coming out of me. All three. Something's coming out one of my holes and I can't tell what. Oh, it's the purge. (laughs) So, um... (laughs) He's like, I think... He starts worrying, doesn't he? He thinks that he might have given a dodgy gear or something. Well, he's, he's like, I don't he want to get caught up in this. He thinks she's ODing. So they stop yeah. over at the side of the road and Abby's trying to tell him what she thinks is wrong. He panics. He thinks she's she's dying and drives off, leaving her on the side of the road with her phone. She calls 999 it's the battery's dying so is she she manages to connect to somebody and tells them she's having a baby and then she gets cut off stuck in the middle of nowhere I absolute this is an absolute nightmare what a cliffhanger that was i just i i'm just i did i did not see this Can't, coming i cannot imagine what you would feel like yeah. knowing that you're possibly going to die because this is at least it was picturesque surroundings everybody treats pregnancy and childbirth like it's no big deal but it's not it's not a walk in the park <laughs> it's a ride in the country and it's a bumpy road <laughs> how how much did you know of this story before going into this week Me? had you seen i mean had you seen any pictures or or anything no because there there's obviously been a big trailer for this week which i'd been able to avoid i I'd, I'd seen a screenshot i'd seen a screenshot of abby in the country, looking a bit worse for wear, but I didn't know why. And I also saw a picture from Wednesday's episode of Dean kind of grabbing hold of her outside of his secret car lockup place. That was literally oh. the only spoilers I had for this week. And it, so it's basically, yeah, I know that Abby's going to be getting up to some some dodgy business on today's episode. So um, yeah, when this all came out, it's like, oh. On Monday, like, she's hmm. trying to flag down cars, but people are driving past her. And then we we get a load of crotch shots. There's a there are so many gratuitous crotch shots. Wet I don't crotch know that shots. they're gratuitous, but I do think, unfortunately, that the women's bodies are sexualized, and so the innocent process of childbirth in all its beauty and glory, with bloody weird soaking parts, <laughs> has a different effect on 
viewers, depending perhaps on their history Maybe. with the situation. Yeah, we, there's or like not two or three times this week we were treated to a soggy crotch, weren't we? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Tell, tell you what, with this this eight o'clock start, you can, you can show anything on. Do what you now. like, can't you? So she's trying. Yeah, she she uh, her waters have broken. Yes. Meanwhile, Kevin is telling Debbie about how Abby is a horrible drug addict and cheating and Dean, etc. She's incensed. She knew that she was a wrong un and so he says, Please look after Jack, I'm going away for a bit in the camper van. So what well, I assume now that Jack is ensconced in the Chariot Square Hotel dodging prostitutes and Yeah, probably uh, drug deals and <laughs> uh Weatherfield County for every meetings. Night. <laughs> um because we do get a few references to Jack. Um so I assume this is Coronation Street's explanation for why he is still in school and it's fine. I yeah, guess. I mean, he went away from school for two or three weeks, didn't he? But I, I think with everything else that's going on in the story this week, I I wouldn't have, I don't need Jack or Kevin to be in it, you know? They'd no, a, they're a They're, they're very, they? very important. No, well, they're a very, very important part to the story. Yeah, but that, that's the it's an extra wrinkle that the story does not need. Although, I mean, I wonder whether this week might have been better if it had been just focused on this story because that as we, we saw earlier in the little in the table of contents we've got plenty of other stories this week could we have you know dumped the bailey stuff or dumped the nicky it's stuff it's glory's in favor birthday of, party michael i know that waits for no man but i may, maybe this week would have worked better if it was like only this story a bit like they did for the nina i know some people would have hated this stuff because lots the of people nina. i've seen online saying oh this, this, this story is load of rubbish it's miserable i hate abby and so on etc right Abby manages to stop a car, tells the driver she's in labour. He's disgusted. He can smell the alcohol on her breath. He doesn't really fully believe her, but he takes her to the hospital and kind of gets to the door and makes an announcement like, I completely denounce this strumpet and drunkard and it's nothing to do with me. Good day. (laughs) And leaves. Um, At the bistro, Imran is telling Leanne about Elsie and how he can't imagine not being a father or juxtaposition. How exciting, because little does he know, or, you know, are we barking up the wrong tree here, that he is actually about to become a daddy. I don't think we're barking up any wrong tree. I mean, it's not obviously 100% confirmed that it's Imran, and that would be maybe a twist... Maybe a twist too far if it it wasn't him. Right, anyway. A nurse deals with Abby and uh, she's trying to ask her questions. Have you been drinking? Have you been taking drugs? I need to know. It's going to affect the birth. And Abby says, yeah, right. I did some sniff. Done some booze. (laughs) Didn't know I was pregnant. Last time I had sex was six months ago. And by the way, I know you keep asking me. My name is Jenny S. <laughs> Jennifer Smith. Jennifer Smith. Yeah, so, I mean, like, yeah. And six... it's obvious, the nurse knows she's lying. I feel, I feel she's bad like, for Kevin. My name's Jennifer Smith. <laughs> I feel bad for Kevin. I mean, when he married Abby, you know, this hot young thing, I think he was thinking that he would, like, be wall-to-wall rumpy-pumpy. But it's just, like, she's literally just there to wash his pants and cook his dinner, isn't she? <laughs> Abby is having... Yes. Um, a very intense pushing session. Um, and the nurse is saying, we need you to take off your necklace. And she refuses to because it's, it's from Seb. And um, she's like, oh, the nurse says, oh, Seb, should we call him? <laughs> um, but obviously you cannot. Then the baby's head <sighs> is popping out, but the heart rate is dropping. Abby's 
pushing, the baby comes out, it's not crying. Oh, scene. Really sad. What is going on? It we was don't a little know. bit like um it's a bit like when Eva had her baby in the bathroom, wasn't it? We need like, Toya to give it a slap. Well Toya just breathed life into baby. What was Eva's baby called? Crumpet. How what was it called? Beautiful baby crumpet. There's a there is a name that I couldn't didn't know how to spell. I can't remember. Siobhan. Now I can spell that. <laughs> So, right, listen, the there's a there's a nurse, there's a male nurse there, and I'm differentiating from the female nurse, yes. and he's standing there like a ghost the whole time, but it turns out he is actually he's really terrifying, real. terrifying, that guy. And he grabs the baby, and he takes it over to some kind of baby machine, and attaches it, <laughs> baby machine. and it starts to cry, and we're all relieved because the baby is alive. Oh, did, you, did you wonder at all whether the baby oh, was going to be dying oh, there? It was sad because it's like, oh, it could just die, couldn't it? With with, with no spoilers about this story leaking in advance, literally, you this could have happening. gone anywhere. And I was thinking... No. This is and, horrible. And in some way I was thinking... Oh, but yeah, at least maybe that because the, the whole yeah, you know, what's going to happen with the baby is Abby going to get it? Is Imran going to get it? They're going to have it together, and all oh, Imran well, and Toy are going to split up. They and need everything. to do that thing where Abby and maybe Imran be better if the baby... are opposite sides of the room, and they go, "Come to the one you love." Yeah, yeah. But if the baby had died there, maybe that no. would have been better for Imran and Toy. It's horrible. No, I, I was I was relieved Harrowing. when there was a when there was a and she finds out it's a boy, doesn't she? Yes, and she kind of like. Oh, Imran Jr. Tyrone bursts into the pub because he is missing a grey Nissan sports car from the garage. And he wants to know if anyone's seen it. <laughs> the baby gets taken to ICU because he's very premature. No poo Sherlock. And he has breathing issues. And the nurse is coming to come back with the doctor later to talk about all the drugs and booze. There's also a bit where, she, where Abby's like, if I tell you if, I'm, if I was on something, you can tell the police. And the nurse is like, Let's not worry about that right now. <laughs> I, I don't think it's the poli- it's the nurse's job, is it? I don't, I, but I guess it's because there's a baby involved. Yeah, well, the, the police the police don't need to know. Or does it count? It doesn't count as neglect, does it? If the baby's in your tum tum, I, d- I, I don't. Know. I don't. I don't know. But I don't think it's a good idea to go down that road because then we're going to start arresting women at sushi bars. <laughs> so, um, the doctor and nurse come back, but guess what? What? Abby's gone. What? She's run off. She gets back to the house. She curls off on the sofa. That was the scene. Um, somebody was talking over it, weren't they? Who was it? There was there was the scene where the, the nurse and the doctor or whoever come into the room and one of the other characters from another story is saying something harrowing. Do you remember? Don't shake your head. It's a I don't remember. <laughs> I'll remember who it is when I get to the other story. The next story. day, Debbie finds Abby on the sofa and she starts having to go at her. Because... Oh, yeah. It's because this was Sunday's episode. It was split over two days, wasn't it? Very Abby rarely doesn't done. Care. Debbie's shouting at her, get out of the house. But she doesn't listen. Then we have Aggie, who is a nurse extraordinaire. She floats all around the place. Float like a butterfly. Sting like a bee. Every single specialist um, yeah, nursing... She's... Thing she knows all of it. She knows oncology. She knows babyness, whatever that is. She can probably do pediatrics. Yeah, pediatrics. She can probably do. She can definitely do Tim's heart. Can she can do cardiology? Cardiology. She's she's a she's an all round generally excellent nurse. Whatever whatever medical issue you got, Aggie's got a plaster for it. And then she keeps saying all the, the right. So, so Aggie is there, and they're talking. She's t- talking to a colleague about the baby, 
and they know this baby's been abandoned and they don't know who the mother is. So one thing that they can do is do a DNA test to find out if they've got the mum on record. And I don't, I thought this was really quite sinister. Why have they got records of people's DNA? Where did they get them from? I don't know. I'm really confused. I don't know that this is... I guess if they just take blood samples for whatever... I don't know what I they do with it. I don't remember so ever giving my me. permission for them to take my DNA and and check it up against a load of dodgy lost babies. <laughs> like, I think that was weird. I don't Maybe get that. Maybe it's like the donor card and you've got to opt in or opt out for it. No, no, what is it? Yeah, that's right. Opt out of it. I don't understand this. I need to look into this further because I think that's a bit strange. <laughs> You're planning on committing some crimes in the near future and you really don't want the hospital to be able no, to ship you to the No, but I don't think cops. it's very good for... Um, I don't know if this is true, but if it isn't true, it, is it going to put people off of like allowing DNA tests to happen on the NHS? I don't, yeah, maybe. We've, there's lots of things about keeping your information private and it's, you know... Do you remember all that stuff about uploading your DNA to like family ancestry websites yeah. and stuff? And yeah. then it turns out your uncle's a paedophile <laughs> serial killer. Anyway, anyway, they don't know they don't know who the mum is. She might not be on the on the system, but they do have CCTV footage of it that they're gonna give to the press and the main clue is Red Hoodie. Red Hoodie, yeah. That's that's the uh, the thing at the very end of the episode, isn't it? Right, yeah. listen. Tyrone sees okay. Abby in the street and chases after her about this missing car. And she says, I ain't got time for this. I don't know who it was. Um, it wasn't me. And Tyrone basically accuses her and says, if, if we find out it was you, then Kevin is finished because nobody's going to trust us because we're, you know, people want to leave their car with this garage. And then it turns out that one of the people involved in it's like stealing the cars. He gets quite hysterical about this, doesn't he? Yeah. Aggie's nurse mate is showing... He's probably a bit annoyed that he's now he's running the garage single-handedly and Kevin's just bogged off for, uh, you know, who knows how long. And then he came back for a bit and now he's disappeared off again. I wonder if he's stressed out. Aggie's nurse mate is showing her the CCTV photo and it's the red hoodie picture. And, um, it's Rana. It's a woman in the late in her late thirties, and then we cut to Abby like sitting on the sofa, and then it pans to the red hoodie like we'd forgotten that she gave birth to a baby earlier in the episode. <laughs> that, it was really that, that is stupid. how it looked, wasn't it? It's was like, like, yeah, guess what? And all along, the final twist of the episode it was Abby. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> on Wednesday, Ab- Abby tells. No. no Aggie. Aggie tells Ed that Abby's not looking herself recently. This is like a very short um, Aggie the detective episode mm. where she quickly works out that Abby's baby. Um, she thinks that Abby's on drugs. Iron and Toya in the shop talking about this poor abandoned baby. And this is interesting because I, I was like, did they actually report this to the press? Yes, they did. Um, which is a bit of a Pandora's box, isn't it? But I guess they're not going to address this. That they they've gone to the papers and said we're looking for this woman, and then the same day she's like, "Oh, it is me." And then there's what are they going to do then? Go no more questions. We found the woman. I'm sure nobody's interested in hearing more about the story. Yeah, you know, surely there's going to be reporters sniffing around, going, "We want to know who the baby belongs to. What's going on with this baby? Everyone's really invested in this and wants, you know, wants to know good things." How are they going to hide? Well, ho- hopefully for them, there'll just be some new news on the on the bypass over the red wreck or something that will distract them from Maybe all the baby drama. 
maybe Maria's going to find out that um, plugging in your hair straighteners causes pollution. Hmm. So, um, yeah, they're talking about how tragic this abandoned baby is. Imran is there. Um, Abby's in there listening. And she's quickly secreting uh, sanitary towels up her jumper. Um, For other secretions. Well, Aggie goes around to check on Abby. And she sees the hoodie. She sees the pads. And she realises that that Aggie, uh, Abby is the baby Bertha. Tell you what, Craig Tinker would have never got that, would he? No. <laughs> He'd have gone, you know what? It's really funny that you've got a red hoodie. Where did you buy it from? I'm going to go and investigate the shop. See if <laughs> yeah. they've got any receipts. <laughs> In the precinct. <laughs> um, Abby denies it. Aggie knows she's lying. And she says, look, you have to go. You have to go to the hospital. Um, and Abby says, no, I don't want to keep it. It's not my, I don't want this baby. Aggie says, talk to Kevin. <laughs> he would love this baby if he was given a chance. It's his son. Abby's like, funny you should say that. It's not his baby. <laughs> Aggie says, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. You need to come to the hospital and see your son. And abandoning him is a safeguarding issue. I cannot stand by and not say anything. And you're in pain. You need to go to the hospital. And Abby says, bugger off. I, I want to know, because we haven't seen um, very many proper close-ups of this baby yet. And I don't want to sound like insensitive or anything, but can they tell by the baby's skin tone the, um, you know, the, 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 the mixed racedness of this baby? How, how, how pink is it? Can they tell that, you know... Could, could Aggie have told that it wasn't Kevin's? I don't know. And I don't want to talk about and speculate because I think I don't know enough about it. Yeah, it's just, it makes it's it... An, it is a, a fair point to raise. And I don't think that either of us are qualified to discuss any of the ramifications of this. Mm. And we just just watch what happens. Although I know, did it come out wearing a grey checkered jacket or was it wearing a purple bomber jacket? <laughs> That's how you can tell. Did it come out going pants, pants, wash my pants? Did it have a is did it have a face full of stubble or did it have a, a, a Full, neatly shaven beard. beard? Yes. We don't know. <laughs> we haven't seen it, it closely. It's just a pink blob in an incubator. It's, really it's like sad. something out of existence. And Abby's like prod, prod. No, it's episodes. sad. It's a little poor baby. It was very when 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 the when the the, the the guy takes it. The package size is that what you the call it? Package size. The baby package. The wrap swaddling. It was so tiny. Thing. It was miniature, and it was like, oh my gosh, that's really really tiny. I, I thought we were going to be having another Rory situation. Honestly, I did. Isn't it horrible? Yeah. Because if imagine if it had been a, a, the wrong, you know, this is what the whole story about Rory was. You know, just a few days out mm. of them saying we're going to help you versus I'm sorry that we're not going to. Yeah. Horrible yeah. and tragic and horrific actually. And and also uh, with us knowing what Abby's been putting herself through, you know, putting her body through in terms of drugs and alcohol and everything over the past few months, there there was you know. It's a quite a high chance that this baby was going to be very messed up. It was, it was, oh, anyway. Ab- Aggie goes home and phones work and says, I know who the mother of this poor baby is. Tyrone goes round to number 13, demanding to know more about this car. Abby continues to say she doesn't know. And he's mad at her. Um, she phones Dean when he leaves and says she wants more drugs and he she offers him a BMW in return because she sees a BMW being driven up to the garage. 
So she meets up with Dean in his dodgy garage and she calls the police. She tricks him, doesn't she? I loved all this stuff. So so Dean has got this BMW that he's nicked Mm -hmm. that she tipped him off on. They both end up in his dodgy garage in the middle of nowhere. She calls the police to double cross him to report him, but he overhears her because she kind of does it pretty obviously. Well, yeah, he just kind of nips inside the garage, doesn't she? And straight away she's like, phone out, police, police, there's a car here, a stolen car, come and arrest her. Oh, you overheard me, Dean. Who does so they have a tiny tussle and then she just falls over like a fainting goat <laughs> on the floor. When she comes to, she's been locked in and she's bleeding, so you get another nice crotch shot. She goes over to the car. And she um she feels around to see if he's hidden the the key anywhere. You think this was stupid? I didn't understand I that. How did she find this, is that this weird? key? That... I don't think it's that weird. I think I think this is what people do. You hide. The I don't key. think it's uncommon to hide the keys on the wheel arch. Is it? If you're if you're like, yes, I think that's not okay. that weird. She opens the well, car. I have to make sure that I never put my key there then because people just be coming stealing my car left, right, and centre. They might do. Yes, and mm. I don't think you get everybody it back. wants. A scratched up 10 year old black Vauxhall Corsa <laughs> with a dodgy tyre light. And a dodgy gear <laughs> And a dodgy gear stick, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, that car. Um, so she, she gets into the car, revs up the engine, <laughs> and she heroically bursts through the garage door straight into a skip. That, that was really, that was like one of my favourite moments of the week. I had many, many favourite moments this week. But when she was there ready to burst through, I was like, oh yeah, brilliant. Abby's going to burst out to freedom and smash into the skip. It I was did, immediate. It, it, it was. was comically I, fast. And, and, and there was no, I mean, I guess they must have shown the skip earlier that episode yeah, when she did. was sneaking around. But I didn't think at all. No, I didn't. I thought she was just going to burst for freedom. But there, there had been a, a trailer that had been put out that showed her crashed into the skip. So I'm really, really glad I didn't see that because that came out of nowhere. It was bad. That got the biggest laugh of the night for me. I don't think that's what they were going for necessarily but um you've got to take your last week in this story great stuff toy and him around here debbie and tyrone talking about abby i suppose and toy is concerned and wants to talk to her tries phoning her and then a policeman answers the phone and toy's like hello who is this and he's like who are you and he's like she says abby's friend and he says well last time you saw abby did she have a car on her forehead because I think I know where she is. <laughs> and Toya's like, I think I found a story, everybody. I'm going oh to be in a story. Oh my God, I'm going to the hospital to be in a story. Toya, the last time you were in a hospital story, it wasn't yours, was it? <laughs> you were just being sad. Yeah. It, she doesn't learn, does she? She's going to be sad in this story, I think. Yeah, yeah. Toya turns up at the hospital and she tells the nurse, I'm Abby's friend. And the nurse says... Or the receptionist, whoever this man is. I'm going to tell you everything. The nurse says, oh, Abby, the pregnant drug addict. <laughs> well, room no five. longer pregnant. She's like, he's like, don't worry, the baby's, the baby's fine. fine. But it's She's starting got some... to get septicemia. <laughs> She's got some placenta coming out of her vag. So we're just having a hook of, hooking that out. And she'll be out in a minute. And, to- and Toya's like, whoa, whoa, what? And Aggie's walking past going, hope she doesn't ask me any questions. Doesn't get away. Toya says, excuse me, Aggie, what the flipping heck is going on? And um, she gets informed. She goes into Abby's room and um, they they all know everything apart from who's the daddy and does he even know? And Abby says, 
No, it wasn't. I don't know who it was. It was a one night stand. Actually, it was Tez. Actually, is in, is in prison, so it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, um, I forgot that he Tez was in prison because he's in there after the whole gun uh, deal, isn't he? Because I was thinking a few weeks ago, is Kevin going to go and find Tez and say, hey, did you knock my girl, my wife up before you went inside? Well, we can still have a nice prison visit, can't we? Yeah, maybe potentially. She sends Toya off with a flea in her ear, but then Toya comes back with baby booties. Because what else does a baby need? Got to have a warm Shoes. Um, she says, let's go see the baby. And Abby says, I don't want to see the baby. I don't want this baby. I didn't even know I was having a baby. And Toya and Abby have these really great scenes together where Abby's just completely aghast and emotionally drained and she's at her lowest point and can't see the point of anything. And thinks that she's a terrible person and the baby would be better off without her. And Toya is convincing her that she is the most important... She's the most important person. The baby needs her. And she would be a good mum. She's a great mum to Jack. She was a good mum to Seb. They adored her. And there's a little boy who's in an incubator who just needs his mum. And she's the mum. And she pep talks Abby around, doesn't she? Yeah, it didn't last um, too long because listen, then we get the social work. Abby agrees. Finally, she makes this emotional decision that she's going to see her, her son. And she's she's rejecting to see this child because she knows that she's going to be hurt again, doesn't she? Because mm. she knows that he's in a bad way and she's trying to she's trying to protect herself. But now Toya's broken down all of her defences and made her have hope. Hope for a future where she could be a mum that mm. this kid needs. Hope that she could redo being a mum and get it right Fourth for the time first lucky. time. And because Toya is so earnest and convincing, she actually manages to make Abby at least agree to see the baby. Unfortunately, this was the wrong thing <laughs> to do because um, it gives her hope when there is none. Mm. so Toya leaves her Abby's about to get out of bed to waddle off down to the neonatal, neonatal unit, unit but then a social worker turns up to put a spanner in the, the works worker. Toya gets home late she is telling Imran that there's um, an an old client that she needs that needs her help and this is her line all the way through and by the end of the week Imran still is none the wiser that Abby has had a baby because if he knew he would probably have a fit. Yeah, how's this um, no more secrets going, Toya, that well, she you, doesn't could, you realize said at the beginning of this uh, relationship? She is protecting her client, isn't she? Mm? She's not keeping a secret. She's being professional. She doesn't, Who is Toya? Yes, she doesn't tell him all of the information about her private counselling clients. Even though Abby isn't one, she's treating her like she is a client. Mm, I guess I'm so. completely on Toya's side here, I do. I think that she is just being a professional person and sh- and the same way that Imran wouldn't come home and Toya certainly wouldn't go, I can't believe you didn't tell me about the boundary dispute. I said no more secrets. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Fair enough. Both of these people have confidentiality written into their job description. Mm. Anyway. This El- is not Toya's job anymore, is it? She can go flapping her gums about whatever oh she God, wants. Oh, God, shut up. Social worker <laughs> makes it clear that this is not going to be an, an easy ride. Toya's painted a very rosy picture 
of um, Abby and yeah, Baby's like, future. And then the right. social worker comes in and says, actually, no. Uh, just so you know, <laughs> you've already given up two kids. Um, you, you're a drug addict. You um, were... You abandoned you this were high. baby. You abandoned the baby. Um, we're a bit worried that you might not take this one very seriously. And Abby's aghast. You can't believe it. She wants to know what she has to do to make it right. And Abby says, look, we need to protect the baby first. Um, you need to enrol in rehab. You need to... And she's like, yeah, I'll do that. And then the social worker says, you need to involve the father. And then Abby says, nope, not doing that. Um, and Chloe says, this could, that would go down well with the judge. And this is going to end up in court, by the way. And Abby's like, well, in that case, I'm not interested. I don't want to do it. Um, stick that in your stupid report. Mm. Again, Abby is shutting down emotionally to protect herself. Yeah, the, a- Abby Abby just gives up, doesn't she? Yep. That this, this is very much in character. Yeah. And, she and feels she, like she's got no fight stacked. left in her, has yeah. she? To be honest, but yeah, but she thinks that the world is against her, so she's like, "Oh, I'll give up then." Don't Abby bother. wakes up on Friday. Um, she's back home again. She's um on the sofa, and then she, the police come round. Um, Debbie's seen that they've been there, but Abby says that she was giving them a witness statement about the car, and she slams the door in Debbie's face. And Debbie shouting through the letterbox as Toya walks past. And is surprised to see that Abby is home when she should be at the hospital. Inside the house, Abby is phoning her dealer. Um, Toya tries to leave a message on Abby's answer phone. And then we've got this... Ho- I don't really understand what's going on here, but there's some kind of thing with Elsie. I, I Basically, the, really the whole thing is thing, that yeah. Toya's needed for Elsie and Imran to do something at school and she can't make it because she's too involved in what's going on is with... Is it like they're looking for a school for I Elsie? I don't bloody know. It doesn't matter. The whole point is conflict has arisen because Toya's prioritising Abby over Toya and Elsie. Imran and Imran Elsie. Imran and Elsie. Without knowing the full circumstances of who this baby even is. Mm. And it's ironic and tragic. That's the whole point of this. So, Abby's getting into drugs. She, she, yeah, she meets up with her dealer. She's got a new one. She gets some drugs. Toya goes round the back of number 13. No, no. First of all, she goes round the front of number 13. And the social worker's there going, knock, 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 knock. I've got an hour slot, so I'm going to stay here for an hour knocking on the door. Yeah, I can't remember. Did they say how she absolutely knew that Abby was definitely in there? Because she didn't give up, did she? No. So, Toya goes round the back and finds Abby about to take drugs. And... This Toya, back, this back entrance that the social worker couldn't locate for herself. Toya, um, Abby explains to her what's happened. Toya sees she's going to take drugs, confiscates them, and goes and lets the um, the social, social worker in. And social worker's like, "Oh no, you've got an open bottle of vodka," but really she should have been worried about the drugs. And she says, "I've been trying to contact you. You're needed at the hospital because there's been a complication with the baby's health." So they go round to the hospital. Toya comes for emotional support. They get told this baby has developed a bowel condition, which they say somebody else had, and I've forgotten who it was, but another baby had the same thing. Oh, yeah, they didn't, though. Did they say Ollie And he was it? fine. No, it wasn't Ollie. Um, mm. They may need to operate. So Abby's looking terrified, and she is in tears, and she's saying to Toya, was this my fault? Did I do this? And Toya says, no, um, it wasn't your fault. Do you want to go and see him? So Abby nods. And she gets taken in to this incubator with this baby, tiny baby baby. And she 
she at one point she has this smile on her face like like the most beautific motherly kind of smile you know yeah like yeah, this kind of lovely completely besotted nothing else in the world matters right now apart from this baby that's that parental bond for you and the nurse says touches his in his bum <laughs> yeah um, I like with with the bit where Abby meets the baby as well. She, I, I like that she still says, "I'm your mummy." It's really, really nice to meet I you. I know, so and she calls him kiddo as well. Oh yeah, hello, kiddo. Oh. I'm your mummy. So the nurse reassures her, and she says, "You know, this will really help him if you, if if you have skin contact with him." Um, I guess babies are like cats, and they can smell you. I think that's it. Definitely. Sorry, excuse me, I'm just having a bit of a yawn Mean, here. Yeah, it's normally not, you can't shut up, can you? Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Toya, Imran calls, is calling Toya and he needs to get in touch with her, but he he can't. Well, she says, she says at this time, I'll be there in 20 minutes, but then she just spends the rest of the episode putting him off and not answering his phone calls and not replying to his texts. So, Abby meets Toya in the, in the waiting room and she's crying again because she they asked her to feed the baby, but she, she feels like it's going to do enough damage because the milk's c- contaminated and so Toya says look and then she gives her a right talking to you doesn't she yeah. she loses her rag a bit but in a nice Toya yeah, way she gets her nag on she goes you you need to bloody well step up and do what you need to do because you're the baby's mum and you, you're the only one that can do this so you need to go and sort it out and decide if you once and for all if you're going to be a mum or not so this pep talk seems to work because um, Abby, I think by the end of this episode, is fully on board team baby, isn't she? Yes. So Toya goes to check is to see if she can um, give milk, even though she was on drugs, and she's ignoring Imran's phone calls. And then she comes back and she says, "Milk's fine. Babies probably, don't mind a bit of drugs." Probably depends what drug it was. I mean, if it <laughs> might be like, "Oh yeah, that's probably quite good for it. That'll, that'll give it a bit of zing." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? They used to give babies cocaine. <laughs> It's true though, they used to give babies all kinds of I stuff. I had to like dip in the dummy. Mind in, you, I don't a... I don't think it was good for them though, was it? I'm not sure. Anyway, um it, she basically, basically like, you know, just don't do any more drugs is the message. Which I think is fair enough. Toy gets home, Imran's not impressed, but they don't argue because they're so um wonderful and mature and Imran says, We had to go for a meeting, but you didn't make it, so I've rebooked it for next week. And she says, um, I've got my, my client, but I think it's okay, blah, blah, whatever. She, anyway, she goes off and, and plays tea parties with Elsie, doesn't she? And Imran's left on the sofa giving a satisfied smile. Little does he know what's going to happen to him. Probably very, very soon yep. when it all comes out. Um, do you, do little girls still play pretend tea parties or are they like doing TikTok dances? <laughs> Elsie's too innocent for all that. She's just the perfect Playing child, Peppa isn't Pig. she? She's just she's very very cute. She's still not had any lines, but she's just so giggly, isn't she? That little girl. I know. They they picked they cast just right when they wanted like the cutest you little want a flower of a kid. child. Yeah, I want um, a happy go lucky pretty little dancey lady girl, please. <laughs> and Imran was cute with her as well, wasn't he? Was Chasing playing. around the kitchen earlier in the episode. Sickening. <laughs> Abby's back in the unit. Telling Aggie that she's decided she's found a name for the baby. Yes. And she has Which a is. she tells a little history about how she came up with Seb's name, and then she tells Aggie that she's decided to call this baby Alfie, 
which was something to do with wise counsel or something like that. But yeah, then she yeah. also says that it means ready for battle and, you know, the baby needs to be ready to fight for his life. But As Abby is going to be right there beside him all the way. Yes. What could possibly go wrong? No more secrets. <laughs> Wait, I want to tell you, before you tell me, let me tell you. Yes. That's it. <laughs> ah, so I, I've I've been gushing about what I thought, Gemma. I haven't really asked you. Did how much did you enjoy this? Equally to me, more, less. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I love Abby Carmen. I think Abby Sally Carmen. Sally. Sorry. I think that um, she did a fantastic job. I she broke my heart again. I I you know. You, you can sympathise with somebody without condoning their behaviour. And I think that it is very easy if you don't like somebody because I hate him and he can't sneeze right as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, the complete opposite for me with, with Abby. Um, she, she just broke my heart when she was looking at him and she was disarmed and she... It's like she she suddenly thought maybe it could be okay, you know? And, mm. then, and then you just know that there are so many hard things ahead for her and this poor little tiny baby even though all you can see of him is like a square of you know peach skin inside this big tank it's Mm. just absolutely tragic and there are loads of babies who have hard starts like this and it's just tragic yeah it is it, it's tragic but also brilliantly dramatic for coronation street like there, there's I've just so many before. so many great twists in this yeah. even like abby disappearing from the hospital bed this week i didn't see coming no, there's so much that i said I before i don't like i don't like a fair storylines but if you're gonna do one this is probably one of the best conceived ones huh? no pun intended because <laughs> of how precarious a situation this all is and i you know there have been some great storylines before and even thinking about ollie and how you know steve confessed it was his child and you got michelle there you know having just lost rory and then you know that Mm. that was super tragic but and it was plotted well in advance. Yeah, every, to everything maximum has drama. everything has Same been here. set up quite well yeah. here, hasn't and it? Because I'm more invested in these characters, I am far more invested in this story. But I can't, it's kind of making me appreciate other affair storylines bit a bit more than I might have done before, which is interesting. I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Everything with, um, yeah, still, still loving Abby, but say... absolutely not. Uh, not condoning anything that she's done like all, all of the, yeah. the drugs and the booze and the abandoning the baby and but I just want to say something is... about like a woman's body and I understand that people are mad at her about taking drugs and alcohol and stuff but she did not know she was pregnant and it's really unfair that women's bodies like are, do they ever are we ever allowed to own our own goddamn body or does it always just belong to somebody else in, just in case what was it you know that they I mean? said as the, as the reason why Abby didn't know she was pregnant did she still say that she was still bleeding or something I seem to remember well, no that. they just said that sometimes you can still yeah. have bleeding even though it's not actually the thing is if, if Abby has not had sex like in six months mm. and she's having periods that she thinks is bleeding she's not going to suspect anything is she no, she's not going to go, oh, this bleeding isn't actually exactly 28 days after my last time. 
Lots of women don't have regular periods. Yeah. Especially because she knows how stressed she is. Well, That's another thing that affects your cycle, is being stressed out. Mm. Do you think that she actually took a pregnancy test at New Year? Because she came they back... They can still get being wrong. Yeah, it's... It's just a coincidence. I, I find I find it very very difficult to believe that Abby isn't pregnant. I I I, I well, she was pregnant because I saw the baby. In no way an expert on these things, but uh, if she took a test, maybe she would have took more than one. Maybe she, maybe she would have suspected or something, or was she just like blocking out the possibility, which is a, another very Abby thing to do. I think possibly she may have seen the signs that she was pregnant, but she didn't want that as an outcome, so she was just trying to push it back to the back of her head and maybe blot out the ideas with more booze and drugs. I don't know. Um, That's getting bordering on victim blaming. Oh no, I don't, I don't mean it to be. I just it. it, it it's very it difficult. Me as odd. I know. And the fact that, and when when she phoned up the yeah, the she knew she was pregnant because she, she's been pregnant before, and she was giving uh, birth. Getting, and she's done it before. Getting the same sensations. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, I mean, um, do do you think that she could actually be a good mum to to Elfie if she if she kept him? Is this is she going to do it right this time? I, I'd like to think she can, but I also don't know whether I definitely trust the Corrie storyline <laughs> yeah. not to if she's, she does keep it just say wants, oh she's relapsed again if she wants a chance to, to raise Alfie right she needs to move to Jersey immediately yeah because it's like with Peter and he's like oh don't, don't have a drink again I won't uh, and, and then he does, does because it's just so tempting I'd like to see her prove that she can be a good mum but the, cab, the character of Abby is just so um, self-destructive I I don't believe that she possibly could it, it feels more likely at this stage that at least for part of the story Toya and Imran might end up keeping the baby like I w- I've really been blindsided by this whole thing because you know it felt really um, predictable that Abby would have the baby she'd run away from the hospital and then the, the hospital would be like, we need to get our top fostering people on this. Who was the who yeah. the people that looked after that baby and didn't kill it last Christmas? I know, Toya and Imran. Let's phone them up. And then they'd and be then in, unawareedly yeah. fostering and then we'd their have, own child. Yeah, and then we'd have to- like Imran, um, Abby like wistfully watching them like walking the baby in a stroller up the road oh, yeah, and they, but they're pushing the buggy along and somebody will come up to them and say oh Imran this, this, or just a stranger in the street like oh, oh he's got your eyes oh, oh, how cute. oh you guys are going to be fantastic parents congratulations <laughs> mum yeah. and dad yeah and but, like... but now Toya knows that there's no way that obviously Toya can accidentally be given this baby no. but it feels like they're going that way and also it. I was kind of expecting to and this is just me being an immature idiot um, Toya to be like, oh Abby, so you gonna are you gonna keep the baby or yeah, I've got, got a good home. Wanna donate it maybe to childless woman who loves babies. <laughs> See, the thing is, they they've been saying recently, and I can't remember when it was exactly, that haven't they been in talks with the foster people to allow another child to move in with them because they were saying. You know, because originally when they had that. when they had Elsie, they said, "Well, we, we can't have Kelly come and live with us because we've got Elsie and she needs no. to live on her own." Wasn't it to do with like, yeah, El- yeah, Elsie can't have other children. Yeah, but recently, I'm sure I oh. heard them saying 
oh, Kelly, we're, we're trying to pull some strings so that Elsie can have another child with them so you can come and live yeah. with us. And I think now there was a scene at some oh. point in the week where Imran saw Kelly and he's like, you doing all right with Maria and Kelly? That's good. So he's going to... So Maria and Gally, so Gary. Yeah. So now Kelly doesn't need to move back with yeah. the Batters Beeb. So, oh, but we can have another child. Ah, Alfie, come and live with us. I, I, I think that that's possibly going that way. It's possible that the social services might say, we'll home Alfie somewhere mm. while you prove that you are able to look after him but i don't in real life of course i don't think they're gonna go yeah yeah let's just home him with your there. friend let's home him with somebody who no, lives just around the corner i don't i don't know i don't know enough about it but yeah ha- ha- a situation where but again Imran i knows that the baby is his but toya doesn't seems just too perfect and, and oh, very cringy and like oh it's so awkward to, to pass up yeah. I don't think that knowing too much about how the social services works is going to be of any benefit to anybody in this. No, story. I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Um so how how do, how do you expect Imran to react? I want to see out? his face. It's, it's got to be a cliffhanger it's, it's at the end got of an to episode come out, like... because at, at the moment it's only Aggie and Toya, isn't it, that know she's having this baby. The question I think is, by the end right, of next week it's going to be common knowledge. Is Imran going to find out? from is it i imran's got to find out when he's surrounded by people that he can't emote around yeah because if if um if abby just comes and tells him that's your son then that that would be quite dramatic but i i really just want to see him squirm squirm, where he's like where you know toya just kind of says look look abby we've got to we've got I, I know that it's not really my place to say but you know you can trust Imran this is Abby's baby <laughs> and then Imran will go Rah! yeah but I wonder whether Imran whether he would realise straight away that it's his or whether he you know well, he'd think it was Kevin's first or someone else's and then he's like well no because it. because you know I I oh I don't know but you can just imagine you could work it quite easily into the into the conversation like mm. this is Alfie he he's like really premature he's he's only six months old what were, can you remember what you were doing six months ago <laughs> um, it's so tragic because ever, ever since Imran and Toya ever, ever since Imran and, and Abby got together that time there there seems to be a bit of a ticking time bomb over Toya and Imran and I'm I'm kind of coming to, to making some peace with that now very, I could just sad, imagine but this is a great story for them to go out this on is a really <laughs> <laughs> I could just imagine Chloe the social worker just coming into the street at the end of the story just taking Alfie and Elsie under her arms and storming off <laughs> yeah. going you're not allowed these babies you can't be trusted like, oh yeah See, I, I also them back. I also can't wait to see the reactions from like Debbie and Jack and Kevin. Like oh, Debbie's God. been kind of used a bit this week, hasn't she? And she, yes, we've already seen good... her being kind of snappy, and uh, she, she's gonna Is... she's gonna go absolutely spare. Are Abby and I mean, are Kevin and Debbie gonna assume that this is? Well, quite, yeah, I mean... Kevin's, like, is Abby going to let them think that for a little bit? Well, Kevin knows that Abby had an affair. I, th- I think that Te- gonna be... Kevin's just going to think it's Tezza's. Or is there going to be a... Yeah, that's true. Is there going to be a moment where everybody in the room thinks it's their baby? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Um, 
There's so much in this story that is just so juicy. There is, but you you've got to like the characters to really enjoy it because lots of people don't like Abby at the moment. Lots of people don't like Toya, unfortunately. And I've seen a few people saying, "Oh, she's sticking her neb in too much in there. She's being too much of a nag." Like stick, yeah, get you. It would have been better to have established a very close relationship between Abby and yeah unfortunately but you know you've got this plausible deniability of um toya just being a counselor and her natural instincts kicking in yeah to you know i'm gonna help you you need you need somebody i'm gonna be that person because i'm a good i'm a good person yeah, I, I, I as, a, as a Toya fan, have, have very much loved this her thing. contributions know, this to this. Just... But I can totally see <laughs> some people going, shut up, Toya. This isn't anything to but do didn't, with you. But wasn't she great when she said, Abby? She, she was great with that. And Bloody I really, pull really yourself did together, love woman. the Wednesday scene when she was in next to the hospital room with Abby and, and you know, talking a bit of sense into her, but also being a kind, supportive friend. I thought it was very nice. I've also very much enjoyed Aggie's involvement in this story. Yes, it is very convenient that Aggie <laughs> seems to be a nurse. You know, the nurse of all trades. She can do what she can do everything, can't she? But I, I, I do like Aggie. Um, Bailey's are, you know... We all know what we think of the Baileys. They've been in the show three years now, and they've not really done anything of note. But Aggie's Aggie's nice. She's she's a good she's a good soul, isn't she? Um, maybe I really liked this with um, Aggie just saying, "No, I'm not going to agonise over this or Aggie-nize. think about this. It's literally my job. You've told me this baby's yours. We wondered who the baby was, and now I know. So then in." Mm. The hospital. I'm, I was wondering as well, like, you know, Aggie is just the, the go-to nurse. What if Rana had still been alive? Because she was also a nurse. What if she was involved in this? So she's she's unwittingly <laughs> helping out with her... Her, her nephew. Yeah, Nibbling. her nephew, exactly. But, oh well. Well, that, she's dead. That's to be. Um, what else have we got? I just, there's just... You know, lots of great stuff this week. I love the love the skip crash. I love the birthing scene. I loved all the stuff with Dean. I love the Abby and Toya scenes. I I just <laughs> I, I, I was every time this story came on the screen this week, it was like brilliant. This is what I want to see. This is the week. A. This is one of the A stories of twenty twenty two. This absolutely. This is going to Feels run. Like so it. I mean, th- th- those of you who aren't enjoying this story, I'm very sorry for you. Those of you who aren't like interested this in this story are just going to have to get your nourishment from watching. Um, Grace's birthday party. Grace's birthday party and Sam playing chess. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Um, what else did we have? I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that we've missed. Was the Mr. Hare thing in this storyline, or was that more of the Adam storyline? Probably more of Adam, wasn't it? Because he refused. <laughs> that was so I think, yeah, that that was that was uh, that was just the yeah the scene where the, the the guy comes in and he's got stupid hair, and in ran and Adam's reaction is like, "You wanna you wanna see the hairdresser?" And he's like, what? No. <laughs> yeah, and in ran's laughing, funny. and it's like, "Laugh it up now while mm. you can." I also really appreciated that. It's nighttime scene on Sunday's episode at the like the end of the second half where they had a couple of scenes of just like Abby at night and they had Laura and Kelly kind of tucking up on the sofa and Sam reading his book. Yeah, it was just, a it, nighttime montage. It, we we went through a stage of our old our old Corrie episode watchings last year where they had in the in the in the you know the fifteen minute break it turned into the next day and and it yeah. wasn't completely uncommon for one episode to be set across two days but you know they never do that now do they so uh, but so it was nice when they did it this time 
I just, yeah, I'd love it. Oh, another great scene that I enjoyed. Nice, nice bit of direction there. That when they had Toya upset in the kitchen and the camera pans to the left. That was today's, wasn't it? It goes through <laughs> the wall and then you've yeah. got Abby getting her drugs. Just lots of good stuff, really. And I think, I think people um, have heard enough of this, really. So... Good this job. is probably the first time in a while that we've managed to talk about the A story of the week for such a long time. Without just saying, yeah, and this happened, and oh, Joseph's staying in the country, and oh, Tim's going to be all right. This, this is the first thing in a long time that's properly got my juices flowing. And <laughs> I, I hope that they can keep oh. up the standard next week. That there, there were, you know, the, the B and C storylines weren't necessarily as compelling. Um yeah, I just, I hope and I just run. know that there are going to be lots of different perspectives and opinions on mm. this because um, it's an emotive subject and people, like I said before, the way you react to stories is as much about you and where you are in your life and what you are like as a person mm. as it is about the stories themselves. And we know that this can be a very harrowing experience to watch something like this. Oh gosh, yeah. Because it is sad and I really do hope that the baby survives and I just can't do any more sad, horrible mm. baby stories, ch- child oh, no. hospital. No, I don't need any more of that. Not after all I don't think they would after. I really, after really Ollie hope not. I think Rory. we need some nice, need happy... Alfie to live. But well, well, do you think ultimately is Abby going to, is, is Alfie going to stay with Abby or will Alfie stay with Imran? That's the question. I don't know whether I, I, I always say like that, that I don't like characters that I enjoy being tied down with babies. I don't like characters that I don't enjoy being tied down with babies, really. Having a baby is a bit of a millstone around your character's neck for quite a few years, isn't it? As Gemma is currently finding it out. It didn't always used to be, though, on Coronation Street. Like I said before, I enjoy watch. I enjoyed watching Gale. young Gail and mm. young Deirdre yeah, raise yeah. their children. I suppose with lots of other characters, it's just like, well, if we don't want to show the baby, we just don't. Like, what's going on with Harry at the moment? We saw him once last week, but that was it for a long time. What's going on? On with Lydia's kid Finn who I'm still not completely convinced is actually hers and living with her at the moment because where is he when she's out sneaking about at three o'clock at night sending and where was she, where was he when and the other thing is where was he when when the flat was overturned when Lydia was eating dinner by herself I know yeah. that some you don't always eat dinner with your children mm. but normally isn't that when you're when there's a couple and children like, if you're a single mum, isn't it easier to eat dinner with your kid? Yeah, yeah. And then when Adam came in and started, you know, and Lydia's throwing stuff about, Finn never woke up and went... <laughs> Finn didn't walk into the room and get a plate in his face. Mummy, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Lunatic. Yeah, so, so maybe if Abby does get to keep this kid, it'll just be upstairs listening to its tapes for the first 15 years or something. Can go and watch um, Peppa Pig. Oh, but Imran wants a kid so much. They <laughs> so can't have it together. It. Imran and Abby are not going to end up together, I hope. I that really would be hope. weird. That, that would be very be weird, weird. And I really, really hope that doesn't happen. So it's going to be one or the other and it's going to be heartbreaking because they both really, really want that kid. And Alfie's a, uh, Alfie is a cute name. Alfie it's a very, is really an adorable name and it's it breaks very all my Abby, rules. It's a, yeah, I know. Yeah. You, you, you like your names I have to be... Rules. About no no nicknames no shortening names <laughs> as the Christian name. Well, the thing is, but it feels like it's an on Abby form. Name. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it really fits, and I don't know. I, I don't know why. So it, you've it, got Ab- Abby's got um, Charlie, Lexi, Seb, Seb and, and Alfie. Alfie but really, if she was a middle class mum, it'd be 
Alexis, Charles, Sebastian, and Alfred. <laughs> she did say it could be short for Alfred, didn't she? When she, she was said Alfred to, was um, it was his name. Yeah, yeah. When she was talking to a thing. Well, Sebastian is is actually Seb's name. Is it? He is Sebastian Franklin. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to a different story. If you're sick of this one, do you think he was named after the crab? Probably. Um, well, the athlete. <laughs> sick, Neilan. So, <laughs> Sunday, Kelly. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, well, you know this give, this week giveth, this week taketh away. And the first scene of this story was Gary doing his bloody stupid aerobics. Who thought that was a good idea? This He'd found was... the Coronation Street Funk Fit DVD from nineteen ninety nine, and he was there doing the most ridiculous Mister Motivator routine, wasn't he? With his silly headband on and his. Oh, I have to poor say, Mikey, poor Mikey North having to do this. <laughs> I found. These scenes, like, despite my best objections, some of them were quite funny, but I did find it quite jarring that Gary became a comedic character for quite a few episodes this week, when actually this story is about how he murdered somebody's dad. Yeah, this story is supposed to be, like, gritty, dark, Britain's Got Talent week, mega reveal, if ultimate we villain, watching... this has been going no. on for three years material. Yeah. If you if you rewind us back to that scene where Gary is staving Nick Rick's head in with a stone in the middle of the forest, and then you said to us, three years' time, this story will involve a funny scene with Gary doing aerobics... And then, and, then, he, and then the daughter of the person whose head he's just caved in will come and say, oh, what are you doing? And then he'll go, oh, my God, you've walked in on me, my secrets. <laughs> and she'll go, what, you killed my dad? And he'll go, no, I like aerobics. <laughs> that I would have work. said, that's a bit weird. Why are we going down that route? Some scenes just feel like, you know, the script writer is given the brief of writing. This scene, this needs to happen, but it needs to last this amount of time. And they're like, okay, what can we fill it with? Uh, Gary doing a The thing bits? is, I yeah. also don't think that even the character of Gary was convinced that he was actually surprised. Like, the whole thing felt like he, he was making fun of the fact that he wasn't you know, it just anyway, anyway. It didn't work. The, the, whole, the, the basically the idea of the scene was to show that everything's great. Shay Windass and and Kelly's got a busy day ahead of her. Everyone's happy. Well, Ke- well, Kelly's pretend- no. Kelly's pretending to be happy. She says, oh, "I've got my work and my meeting, meeting my mates and everything." But actually, she's going to see her mum, isn't she? She's at a secret mum visitation. Who is um laid up on the sofa reading about Corey fans in the Manchester Evening News and <laughs> looking a bit worse for wear. That was was it you or me that noticed it? I mean. I know other people, other viewers noticed this. Notice what? Laura on her newspaper. Oh yeah, Corrie no, you fans. noticed it. I didn't. Yeah, she was lying there, and and she had a copy of the Manchester Evening News, and you found this article, didn't you, online later? It was from 2018, and what was the headline? Corrie fans begging McLeod no more dark drug stories, or you know, all that, that was the gist yeah. of the article. I'm totally mortified because we watched this late. So we couldn't yeah, what, we couldn't go we through Twitter and people had already tweeted before we had watched. So we couldn't go through Twitter as we were watching it to see if somebody else posted. Didn't want any spoilers. So I went and did exactly what <laughs> Talk of the Street did half an hour before me, which was literally to Google the headline and find the article. So I posted like half an hour later and I feel really bad because it looks like I was like, I'm just going to copy and hope nobody noticed. Yeah. But we couldn't check Twitter until 
we'd finished well, watching them because we would have found out about Abby going into labour, wouldn't we? Yeah. But that was that was how how on earth how on earth did that get through editing? It was like plain as day a headline saying Corrie fans something something something. <laughs> That's so bad. But anyway, like it gave to us think a giggle that there's a saboteur in the props department who wants um, them to stop doing drug storylines. It was so on the nose as well, wasn't it? It was literally, the, the gist of the article was, Corrie's been too dark underneath Kate Oates. No more drug storylines, No please. more vicars shooting literally, up in churches. Literally, in the same episode where Abby was doing drugs with Dean. Anyway, Kelly's Kelly sets too, looking after her mum and then was all cleaning up and putting her massive slippers on and stuff. Later on, Carrie sees Kelly in the street. Carrie, Gary. Gary sees Kelly in the street. Hasn't got time to chat. She's far too preoccupied with all her Laura stuff. And then Simon comes in and is like, hello, can I be in this story? And Kelly's like, oh, if you must, but mate, only one episode, okay? So she kind of unloads all her woes onto him, apart from the whole mum thing. She doesn't mention that at that point. Um, but then when they go to the gardens later, Victoria Gardens, this is when she tells him about her mum being sick. Can't tell Gary, though, she says. she um, he, he doesn't want her to have anything to do with Laura. So Simon says, look, I struggled looking after me mum after Ollie died. Um, I was there going to be in her carer, basically. I should have told people I was struggling, and so should you. Thank you, Osage Simon. Monday's episode, Maria starts off the episode thinking, so, um, election's coming up at some point, next couple of months, better get going on this old election campaign. She, it turns out she's got a rival in the paper or something. So she enlists Gary and Kelly to do a little bit of campaigning. Um, she's Ugh, also going to give... I, I'm, not, I'm so not interested. I couldn't be less interested in the story of Maria running for election. And I want to just Sorry. say one thing. Um... I, I find this baffling considering Coronation Street prides itself on its commitment to being a green production that the story of somebody who's earnestly trying to fight to improve the environment for the health of their children is just either an idiot or a boring nag. Mm. You know, depending on who you ask. I don't think anybody's watching this going, yes, Maria is a role model <laughs> and she's convinced me to go into local politics yeah. and and get rid of my SUV. Vote green. I did, I, the one thing I did enjoy from this was like her poster slogan saying about clean, clean air and somebody saying, hey, Maria, shouldn't that say clean hair? That was kind of funny. But no, I just... I got no time for this election campaign anyway it also means that because she's going to be stepping up on that she's going to give kelly more responsibility at the barber's shops why don't you cut stew's hair tomorrow and kelly's acting very dodgy as she's i like the fact that the insinuation is that like it's only stew (laughs) yeah (laughs) the local scruff bag last time stew got his hair cut you literally couldn't tell the difference anyway could you remember yep so um, this is when Imran sees Kelly in the street and she lies to him about being happy and living the best life and everything, which is what Michael, makes me think that everybody lies and says the they're happy and living healthy. their best life. Yes. Oh, Simon says her again then, doesn't this, isn't he? And he says, oh, you can't keep this all up, Kelly. Then Laura calls her up. She's fallen over. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> she can't get up. Kelly goes round to rescue She's like her. a tortoise. And she's she's on her back, yeah, crawling around. Help, help. Rolling about. And so Kelly has to set her up right and say, look, things are getting worse with you, our man. You need to get some proper help. Laura's like, no, I don't want it. I'm fine. Just let me suffer. Don't worry let about me it. die in a ditch. Yeah. Um, so then, so Kelly agrees to stay with her overnight. Next morning. 
I just want to what? say one thing. I genuinely do not think that this co- in this country that that you would be left alone like this. There are Macmillan nurses, there are district nurses, there are hospices, there are facilities, and I would hope that nobody is being left to to roll around on the floor. It? It, it seems it's just that Laura doesn't want help. She's just being um This is the unfortunate miserable. trap that Coronation Street falls into, whereby they want to make an issue storyline about something that genuinely affects people. And there is, you know, we are lucky in this country. I know people fall through the cracks all the time and I'm not going to say it's perfect, but we are very fortunate in this country to have a wide range of charities and government-backed entities that support people in lots of different circumstances. So there's almost always somewhere you can turn to. Mm. And in order for the story to have a happy ending, Coronation Street needs to lead the character into this this help. But unfortunately, the journey from that, from the beginning to the to the end where they seek help is the middle part of them going, no, no, I'm fine. No, I don't need it. No, I'm fine. <laughs> Tell you who would make an excellent Macmillan nurse. Aggie. Aggie. <laughs> Just finished the shift on paediatrics. Yeah, but I tell you what, I wouldn't eat the soup she made me. Oh yeah, no. Imagine having Aggie's there giving you. I couldn't find any any um any soup, so I've just made you marmite with hot water. <laughs> don't you like lose so your taste or sort of if you're on chemo or whatever, you maybe things do. don't taste the same way. So Aggie She'd could just fine. spoon feed them whatever she's made. She, she comes home and she says, "I've made everybody a savoury olive and anchovy cake. My patients love it." <laughs> Um, anyway, um, yeah, for the, for the story to work, Kelly needs to be able to be the one that's looking after her old saintly Kelly, doesn't she? So, um, it's the next morning. Oh yeah, Monday was the two-part, two-day episode, wasn't it? Next morning, Maria's outside the barbershop, pretty peeved because Kelly's not turned up to work. Uh, and Simon says that you really, really need to talk to her, actually. So yeah, she's still at Laura's, feeding her soup out of a tin, um, warm, apparently. Then Gary comes round. Kelly sighs. You can't oh. give you can't give gazpacho to cancer patients. <laughs> oh. Not in winter. Um, yeah, Gary comes round. It seems like Flamin Simon has told him where she is. So they have a bit of a sit on the sofa. Why didn't you tell me the truth? My mum's dying. She should be at hospital. She needs proper care. No, she's not. She's me, ma'am. I'm gonna look after her. So on, so on. And Gary says, "Look, um, what? Why?" I'm going to take you home now and so that me and Maria can have a bit of a chat with you and try and convince you that you shouldn't be doing this alone. Um, We're going to help you out. had thought about this before he staved Rick's head in. Yeah, I know. Wednesday's episode... This goes to show you no good deed goes unpunished. I know, I know. Wednesday's episode, Kelly says, oh, Maria, I'm going to have to hand me notice in at the barber's. Sorry, can't risk me mum having another fall. Maria says, no, this is your future. She's like, how long has Maria worked in this place? And now Maria is like, you are destined to be a... a, Kelly. What? Yeah, sorry, how long has Kelly Kelly worked worked in this place? Now Maria is saying, this is is your destiny. This is your... This is your... She's um, not wrong, though. Kelly could, you know, she seems interested. Being a hairdresser, I just want to point out, is consistently ranked as one of the happiest careers. Job satisfaction, for sure. Yeah, one of the highest, top three. And Kelly does need something to, you know, to get her claws into, doesn't she? Maria doesn't want her drifting off into her dodgy, evil teen ways again. But it just felt a bit like, no, you are a hairdresser and you are going to be a hairdresser until the day you die. So suck it up and deal with it, Kelly. Go and trim my split ends. Yes. 
Um, so she Kelly goes off to the the, the the barber. She does a lovely job. Maria says, "Oh, what a great great haircut you've had." Um, and also, as a bonus, if you like, Laura can come and live with us. So this is this is how Maria and Gary have decided to um, resolve this situation. So now. I mean, at first it was a problem that Kelly was living with them because Maria worried that she's going to find out about Gary killing her dad. And now there's two of them. (laughs) So you've got the wife and the daughter of Gary's murder victim just living at their house. Because just to remind everybody, Maria knows. Maria knows this. Yes, we do. Yeah. And doesn't Sarah know? Sarah. Yes, Sarah knows. Sarah knows because Gary knows about Callum. We need I a chart to come out. We do. We need some sort of flow chart for this. So Gary um, and Maria have invited Laura around. She comes round. She's putting her feet up. She's making herself at home pretty quickly. But Stealing she wants, mattresses. wants to do her bit round here. Also, Who, what do you mean? She just wants to help out, doesn't she? She don't want to. She don't want to live there. Laura she wants to freeload help. Yeah. I'd freeload if that's all I had left in my life. <laughs> well, she she hasn't. She's got something else in her life. The plan to steal Rick's money and leave it all to Kelly. So she's decided she's going to get herself a private investigator, find out where, where Rick is once, once and for all and fleece him for all he's got. This is not consistent with what we have been told about Rick's relationship with Kelly. And it would make more sense if Laura was saying... I want to get hold of of Rick. We don't like each other, but he loves the bones of that girl. And I know that if he realised I was going to die, he would come back and look after her. Mm. But instead she's she's being all, I'm going to steal his money. It's like, okay, this is not a good plan though, is it? Because this is an extra step on top of finding Rick (laughs) Rick, that might not even work. And also I don't know if anyone can help you with. I don't know whether Rick's actually got any money left now. Didn't Gary just find it and steal it all and, and well, spend it? The I think the missing link here is is Sharon. Yes, where nobody's is Sharon mentioning enough? Sharon. She's the obvious person that I would be looking for. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good point. She actually was one of the last people. Never mind Gary. She could have been our third character return of the week because we had Nikki. We we could have had Sharon, but we did have Lenny, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot oh that. my god that was funny this was another scene this was this another set of scenes that despite myself I found funny but I was begrudgingly laughing because it won me over <laughs> it was so cheesy Let Lenny uh, he he took me a long time to warm to I think yeah. before because it's like why again why is why is this serious storyline got this hapless PI that just seems to find the whole thing a joke but anyway <laughs> he was back again as 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 funny as ever which maybe for some of you isn't very funny but I kind of enjoyed him and Gary's filling him in on his plan which is to pretend to be investigating Rick but not actually find anything so now Gary's going to be a in the clear plan. yeah not bad so Gary takes Lenny home introduces him to Laura and Laura's like hang on a minute I know you you were sniffing around my house a couple of years ago trying to find me because this is when I think she went missing for a bit yeah I know and Gary said um Gary had uh, Lenny on the case there and Lenny's like no no Lenny's like no 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 that's that's my brother Lenny my name's Kenny (laughs) and she's like I don't believe a word of this he's gonna be next Benny it was it was very very silly it was very farcical it made me laugh and I was mad at myself good job Coronation Street you made me chuckle (laughs) <laughs> um, so anyway um, Gary meets Maria in the pub later and says what's happened 
um, which is basically Laura has said, I'm not having that dodgy guy looking for Rick. I'm going to find my own, pri- my own private investigator who she meets on Friday along with Gary. Gary kind of invites himself along to this just so he can scope out the enemy. And um, it's this ex-cop guy. He's kind of kind of stocky, beefy guy that I don't think Gary would be able to take in a fight, would he? I mean, Gary who's had a bit of a reputation for always coming out worse, whoever he was up <laughs> yeah. against for, yeah. for a good he while. He definitely would get but hammered I, um, into the floor. He would absolutely, yeah. He'd be, uh, he'd be this guy would make mincemeat out of him. So Laura's saying, look, I just want to know how to get my hands on Rick's money. And the guy's like, right, first... First things first, who was the last person who was in contact with Rick? And Gary's like, oh yeah, that's me. He's probably going to be asking me some questions I'm not really prepared to answer. This guy's the sort of person that you say, I've lost my keys. And he says, where's the last place you saw him? (laughs) Like, thanks, genius. He's an ex-cop, Jeremy. He knows his stuff. Well, he's probably an ex-cop from Weatherfield Precinct, so... Oh yeah, say no more. Um, Not not that precinct. So anyway... um, Get the, 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 the Gary's like, yeah, I was in contact with Rick. I didn't know much. He was phoning me from Spain. He was sending me the money to give to Kelly to pay for her school. Don't really know anything, but I'll, I'll, look, I'll look for his number for him and pass it on to you. The guy's satisfied at the moment. Gary's looking rather worried what's he got himself into. So Laura is fairly shady of Gary's, uh, sorry, suspicious of Gary's shadiness vis-a-vis Rick. And she's like saying, well, why, why aren't you... Telling them everything. Surely you must have known something. But luckily for Gary, before they can go any further into that little rabbit hole, Kelly comes home and Gary makes Laura tell her what they're up to. Kelly finds out um, about this whole inheritance uh-huh. stick. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want any of his money. I don't want anything from him. He's abandoned me. She seemed to do a... She's done a bit of a flip. Again, she? again, this, this is not Convenient for the plot. I thought that she kind of did want to find she her dad before. She used to say that he was the only one that loved her and her mum was yeah. the evil one. Yeah. Where, you know... And now she's like, no I don't want anything to do with him. I, he might as well be dead for all I care sort of thing. Which is, you know, probably, you know, to be fair, a reaction that is to be expected. And she's left here, you know, she's a girl, a young girl, and she's trying to look after her mum mm. and her dad's not anywhere to be seen. You can understand why she's cross. Yeah, you can change. Yeah, it but it sense does for feel, it change you know, helpful for the plot, yeah. and, and also very helpful for Gary because he's like, yeah, you should listen to your daughter. I don't, I don't think you should be looking for Rick anymore. Just give up on it. It's fine. She doesn't want the money. Please, please don't try to find his murderer. I mean, the person who saw him last and know where he is. So. Um, thoughts on this one, Gemma? Enjoyment of this story this week. Glad that the Rick's body story is possibly coming to the surface again. I'm just finding again. the tone very strange and flipping from, you know, proper how I expected it to be, you know, serious story to <laughs> we're gonna have a man. Lenny, Kenny, Benny. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was I'm gonna not gonna lie it was funny the aerobics thing you know hit or miss. Miss. Um, I just find it odd. Mm. I think that they realise too late that Gary could be quite funny and they're trying to milk it while they've got the mm. chance. Yeah. I, I still need Imran to get involved in this story and I'm worried that what with him obviously now being very heavily involved in the Abbey story, I don't know whether there's room for him in this, but they can't... It's they too convoluted. It just feels so not convoluted. Not have Imran involved in this considering Rana... I know, but I think he's up for a busy year, is Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, one thing that was of note, I thought, on this is that I think Laura is actually properly poorly because I think before we were thinking, is she faking it? But Kelly was literally getting text messages from the pharmacy. Wasn't she, she this week is saying your mum's drugs are ready. Um, the thing is, she's not. She's not like just lying on the sofa and coughing and um, being pathetic. Like sometimes she's fine and sometimes she's not, and that's normal for being you know dying of cancer like you'll have good days and you'll have crap days and mm. i think if you were faking it you'd be sick all the time and you would you know yeah she'd be clearly milking you'd, it you'd and then she'd give some furtive part. glances to the yeah. camera at the end of a scene to make it look like I'm but not to really be honest boring. i'm kind of wishing that she was um faking it because i i don't we don't want another sad death story but you know it's only Laura. i'm not mega know, invested it, in but, the character but you know again if you're somebody who is having to deal with cancer this is now going to be you know the fourth year in a row that we've had somebody dying of cancer on coronation street it just feels mm. like can we just give it a break now yeah well, i know that cancer maybe she affects will everybody. go to the hospital I genuinely know that. over there i genuinely know don't try to tell me i know better than you think i know about how it affects people's lives and it just doesn't feel like it i need it to be on the show no i, I don't either uh, and, and i can't see many viewers being particularly sad about Laura dying when she dies because she's not, not a could she beloved not die something else, you know? Yeah. I know that all the cancers are different, but when you're, you know, if, you're, if your life is uh, affected by cancer, you don't tend to differentiate. Mm. Maybe maybe she's going to be the one that finds out about Rick and what Gary is doing. She's going to be the one that finds the cure. No. That would be good. <laughs> that, that'd be, that'd be a yeah. nice twist, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, she's going to find out about Rick. Gary's going to club her over the head with a stone. Kelly's going to walk in, find her mother lying bleeding there on the floor, and Gary's like, it was the cancer, it got oh, her. It just suddenly got really, really worse. Out of her head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this, this was okay, this story, but I, I can't say much more than that. Um, I'm maybe enjoying it more than I thought I would and, and the, it's hopefully ramping up nicely to please, please, please let's have the reveal about Gary dropping the roof on Rana's head and killing Rick. So, the thrill of the chest, Gemma. Sam's chest storyline. Get ready for this because this spanned all four episodes this week but I think we can probably get through it fairly quickly. And I'm not saying that I didn't like the story but there were a few scenes that felt similar to other scenes earlier in the week. It's only because a lot of them were involved looking at a chessboard and people picking up bits of wood. And Sam giving his death glare to Brian the and Paddington Roy. The Bear stare. Yeah. Sunday, Sam's been up all hours reading chess books. Hang on a minute, he... this is my story, isn't it? No, oh, you, did, I do you the just did one? the last one. Oh, did I? Sorry. Oh, yeah, I did. Sam's been up all hours reading chess books and he's determined he's going to win chess yeah he's, he's pretty he's pretty miffed after Roy defeated him and then Leanne's like don't worry you'll get there in the end you just need to learn to deal with defeat I think he is he, he has by the end of the week can I just say one thing though I feel like this is unfair because I, I get the impression that once Sam beats Roy he's never going to play him again but I don't think that's fair because if Roy was like that then Sam would never stand a chance <laughs> would he do you see what I'm saying yeah, yeah. Nick goes to see Roy and says, can you please teach Sam without crushing his spirit? Um, <sighs> Sam comes back to apologise to Roy, says I was being unsportsmanlike the other day. Brian's there too, and he offers him to be his adversary. So let the game begin. Chess happens, and Sam wins, and Brian's in shock, and Roy's watching proudly, but um, 
it turns out that he has been taking notes and he's written down all of the moves that um, Sam and Brian had done in his special little notebook that he can record all his games in to help mm. him improve his play. And then he gives him his little notebook. That was quite And as cute. you said, it would have been pretty but poor if Sam had lost. <laughs> it's like Roy knew that Brian was crap at chess because if his first entry in his special little chess book had been him losing to Brian as well. Yeah. Would have been pretty tragic, wouldn't I, it? I really enjoyed seeing Roy as the kind of the Mr. Miyagi of this, look, looking on in with pride it that is his a bit like young grasshopper a really boring Mr. karate uh, Mr. kid. Mr. Packham. Yeah. <laughs> you know, say what you want about about martial arts and physical sports. At least you can tell he's winning. <laughs> right, so um, Sam says, I've never won a game before, apart from against my dad, which doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really, really count, count, which I thought was quite funny. Um, Nick comes to collect uh, Sam and Roy tells Nick that Brian didn't let him win. And Sam's rate of progress is incredible. And he wants to carry on training him in the chess dojo. <laughs> so on Monday, Sam's in a good mood. Uh, Nick brings him round, and they have a funny scene where Leanne's handwriting is indecipherable. <laughs> It looks like she's I mean, written cinder burned pork, but she's it, cider braised pork. It, I don't get how the I get how the cider looked like cinder, but the word braised didn't it in any way look like burnt. No, Nick gets a call from the school because Sam is, is not doing very well at school. He's not concentrating. He's doodling chess stuff in his chat in his test instead of doing writing the answers. And Nick tells Leanne this chess obsession is getting unhealthy. So Nick kind of cracks down on Sam and makes him do his homework. Um, and he's saying, you can't play chess anymore because you've got to take a break. Um, so the next morning, Sam gets ready for school and Gail can see how upset he is because he can't play chess. Nick goes to the cafe to tell Roy that he's not playing anymore. but And so Roy agrees to go along with it. And Nick tells Gail and she thinks he's overreacting. On Wednesday, Nick and Sam agree to go bowling because Nick wants to go bowling. Brian goes to the cafe and tells Leanne about how Sam won at chess and he's disappointed to hear that Sam's been banned. And Leanne's kind of inspired by Sam's, you know, progress and how he's managed to beat a grown man at chess. So she thinks twice about this ban and she goes to see Roy and Roy says, I'm going to stand behind Nick's... De- God, this is boring, isn't it? <laughs> Roy says, I'll stand behind Nick's decision as a parent, but it is a shame. And Leanne says, can you do secret clandestine chess lessons? Um, even though Nick is agree agrees with me and he says, fine. So Leanne takes Sam on Friday to Roy to play secret chess. And Sam's not happy about lying to Nick. Leanne says, just see it as a strategy that you can use to win what you want. Nick offers to pick up Sam from school. And Leanne says, no, he's, I'll do it. And she takes Come on, Jim, we know chess and they do chess, chess. And Roy wins chess, chess game. And he says, you did the chess wrong. And then Leanne comes and says, too much chess for today. Let's go. And Roy Leanne's says, very, there's that Leanne throughout these scenes. It just seems to be like dropping off like to sleep, boring, isn't she? Bloody hell. And they're going, oh, do chess move here and a chess move there. And the chess game, chess, chess, Sam, home, bistro, chess, Nick, chess, park. No, no chess. He was at the park. Don't tell anybody. He's playing at the park all the time. It's not chess. The end. <laughs> 
So, basically, enjoyed this story then. Basically, Sam plays chess. Sam does work bad at school. Nick says, no more chess. Leanne says, secret chess. Nick doesn't know. I, I didn't find it too boring, to it, be well, honest. It was bo- more think... boring, to to be honest. It was more boring to read it out than it actually was to watch on screen. I do feel as though I would get more out of it if I understood chess. I don't know enough about chess to know if this is engaging. Are they talking about stuff that's actually really deeply meaningful to chess lovers? In which case, fantastic. I'm glad that they get to see some fun chess stuff on the screen. I don't begrudge that of anybody. I don't feel like... There's enough chess representation <laughs> on mainstream television. Just very difficult for me to follow, and it's my own fault because I'm dumb. I mean, I don't think you have to be able to un- to follow chess. I, I, know, I know the way that do. the pieces move. I know you said this think, before, like it's but like you're boasting. And I know that when when somebody says checkmate, that's the end of the game. I thought checkmate just meant n- I've nearly got you. No, that's just check. Oh, God check is I've it. nearly got you. Checkmate is you lose sucker. Well, can't... so I. I think the story could have been a lot more boring had it been different characters. Yeah. I like Sam. Yeah. I like Roy. So actually, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But yeah, there was just an awful lot of scenes that's just them playing chess. I actually found it kind of interesting that, um, you know, all these different strategies and moves. Literally, I, I know so little about it. I didn't know that there were the, the such and such procedure well, and they're using they the, the bloody blue technique. I thought I it was all just... I knew that they had that. I knew that they were like well-established strategies and methodologies. I, I literally and... had no idea. That just really? goes to show what, what a dunce I am. I just but thought you just moved your pieces around and hope for the best because that... that's what I do. <laughs> right, I don't know how many people are going to understand this reference. But it feels to me like you're watching an anime or like Yuji or something where people are like, aha, he's played the blue-eyed dragon, but I've got a trap card. And you're like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Cool. I think I think this just goes to show why chess and strategy games in general aren't for me. But no, I, th- I thought it was semi-interesting. Um, I thought that the... Um, that the, 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 the quandary of, oh, should he be playing all this much chess was kind of interesting because it seems that Nick is being made out to be a bit of an ass about it. There, there, there isn't any more... Yeah, Nick's got a point, is there? Nobody, No characters are secretly Every saying... Every single time anybody like comes up against a dilemma on a soap, they're like, I'm going to go all in on this solution. Mm. What? Do you think that Nick's got a point at all? Because I'm kind of thinking maybe he does. And I know it's like, you know, Sam's mum's dead and everything and he's found this thing that he really loves and who are we to begrudge Sam his little obsession? And, he, and you know, but if he's going to bed at one o'clock at night, <laughs> that's probably not good for him. Okay. Here's the teacher in me saying, yeah, he's got his sats in two weeks, that, uh, top yeah. two weeks, two months. Yeah. He's got some quite important tests. And I yeah. know they're not his A levels. I know it's not his degree, but he should. He needs anything. to concentrate on his sats. And if he's drawing little pawns on his, on his practice sats papers, he probably will do fine in the actual ones at the end of the day. And lots of people are going to say sats don't matter. But as a year six teacher, I can't say that fully. I'm not going to endorse that viewpoint. <laughs> Bite me. Um... And I want Sam to do well in secondary school, and I want him to be I in all the top sets and everything. I just really genuinely think that I'm not I'm not a parent or a teacher. I see a little boy; he's super into stuff. He's ten years old. Uh, let him play chess. Like it. What's the harm? It's not drugs. It's not you know. It's not playing Grand Theft Auto. Let him play chess, and actually, he could make this his career. 
Like, he could go on YouTube and be a chess prodigy. He could become a famous chess TikToker. I don't know, but I I do know that I don't think that at 10 years old, you can ruin your life with chess. I'd also like to encourage Sam to make friends his own age and not some guy in his 70s. But you, are are there not like child, can you not go to a child chess camp? What did they say? They said something about chess club in school the other week, I bet didn't that all they? the kids are stupid, though, and they stick the, the stuff up their noses and they can't play. I, I do imagine that Sam is, by a, quite a, a long chalk, the most intelligent kid at Bessie Street. But It's obvious the solution here is clearly a balance whereby Nick says you can only read your a bit chess, of chess book, you know, until at nine o'clock at night or whenever you're supposed to be in exactly. bed. Exactly. They as and parents like, should be able to put can't... their feet down and say, now you stop your chess, but not completely ban it. <laughs> I'm going to completely ban you from playing chess. Mm. Um, I want to see, I want to see um, Sam go off to chess camp in America mm. at, on at summer. That would be awesome, don't you think? Yeah. I, I think now would be a good time for Sam to be able to develop some social skills with children of his own age because he's been going to be going to Weatherfield High next year where he's going to completely have the rip taken out of him if all he can talk about is chess and nerdy scientific stuff. And it's I'm not saying children shouldn't be interested in that. It's great. I know lots of children that are interested in that kind of stuff. But I just get the well, I'm get the impression. I get the impression I'm not a clever one. that when he goes to Weather High in September, he's going to be majorly out of his depth and he's going to really struggle. I think, but I don't even know whether Corey's going to go down that route. I see he'd probably be fine because I'll have Mister Osborne looking after him. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think that Nick has maybe got a bit of a point with this. Um, it's very interesting how we're differing a bit more than we usually do about child things mm. and you're like saying oh Chesney shouldn't send his kid to Portugal and Nick should uh Nick's right you know yeah 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 are um, you maturing in your well, outlook may- on children maybe uh, and l- I'm l- regressing here's here's something that we we absolutely must agree and otherwise I just don't think there's a future for our marriage blancmange Gemma what do blancmange you have to agree at the bistro on? What good idea about it is blancmange nice or is it horrible you think it's horrible I, I wouldn't say that I would like blancmange no Blamange is just a set milk pudding, isn't it? Mm. I haven't had it for a very long time. Like, we used to have... Did you ever have any funny jelly moulds in the shape of anything when you were we little? We had loads of weird... We We're... had, like, petty four cases. I don't what? know why. We had a cat jelly mould in our house. And, uh... and I'm sure my mum used to make blamanges in there sometimes. And it was just... I think whenever I had it, it was just like, I wish this was jelly. Yeah, but it, I can't say it's classic. No. When I was watching It's a this classic scene... from the 60s. It's a classic Fanny Craddock. Hmm. <laughs> And I was watching this scene, I was thinking, no, do something fun with possets. Yeah, I I, I, I can't imagine that Honestly, the, the citizens of Weatherfield no, are going to be flocking to the Blamange, bistro for a taste of Leanne's not, spicy blancmange. No, I think possets are where it's at because everybody loves that classic, properly oldy worldy English stuff. Mm. Blancmange is retro. We're not on retro. We've done retro. Retro was like the last <laughs> five years. Now we're on to classic old school medieval type well thank goodness you and i agree on something let's talk about the nikki story and i don't know if anybody knows what mm. a posset is it's just uh, like lots a of people lemon it's, thing. A, it's a very very fa- very very classic famous it's dish lovely. here now but really it's so simple oh, it's, it's just you get cream and you boil it with sugar and then you put lemon juice in it and that's literally all you do it's so and nice. it sets oh. into a very dense very sour Can you make... and sweet cream pudding and it's a classic English dish. 
But you can spoil it a little really bit nice. by putting lemon zest in it. I don't yeah, know don't put lemon that. zest no, no or biscuits. No bits in, in my posset, please. No. No. Right, Nikki. So, on Monday, Daisy... Um, oh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't probably kick until Wednesday, but the Monday episode is the whole anti-spiking lid thing, which is a bit weird. <laughs> Daisy, the person who drugged Daniel yeah. a couple of years ago... Daniel? Is, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, sorry, is saying, oh, look at these special lids I've that you can put mid- on your cup and now nobody will be able to get in. It's like a force field, so nobody can spike you, Amy. I've learned the error of my ways. Spread the word. Put, take, take these anti-spiking lids everywhere. And um, anyway... That, that's kind of all there was. At least they did raise the point that it puts the onus to stop spiking on the victim. Yes, yeah, Amy did say that, didn't um, she? Which... Amy almost had a drink at the Rovers, but not quite. She still she still hasn't had her first uh, first cocktail at the Rovers, has she? Which, you know, I think was a fair point, and uh, I'm glad somebody raised it, and mm. I'm glad that they had this, but... That wasn't the point of the story this week, was it? We we also, there was also a bit in that episode where Daniel and Daisy say we, we should go on holiday this year, which comes up later in the week, and they're like, "Oh, commitment!" Um, so Wednesday, Nikki's Daniel's back. like, "Let's go on holiday. I'll get six weeks off a year." Mm, oh yeah, of course. I yeah, go off for six they're going to literally book a six-week-long holiday. They will do. They? Watch them. Yeah, I, I liked it. There was a scene today where Daisy's like, "Oh, watch out! You better go to school." Like he'd forgotten, and then <laughs> and then later on he says to Nikki, "Yeah, yeah, let's have a let, I'll meet you at the pub at four. <laughs> Piss off, Daniel, part timer. So your trainee, apparently. I don't. Right. So Nikki is bang. Remember Nikki, everybody. Now she was the sex worker who um, worked at Chariot Square Hotel. Um, and snaring there, and snaring all the grieving people that were there and, and others and um, and Daniel paid her good money to dress up as Sinead talk like Sinead basically be reincarnated Sinead after Sinead died it was weird and then she went off to go and work in a B&B I'm going to say and live them Daniel doesn't even have the um the grace to look it's slightly embarrassed when he's trying to explain to Daisy who this person is. No, and just wait until it all comes out. He also didn't go, Nikki, where's my cash? I thought you were pursuing your dream. She's like, hello, I'm back. Lytham was boring. Thanks for the money. Actually, turns out I didn't need it after all because now I want to be a TA. Don't spoil it, Gemma. I'm sorry. So Nikki shows up on Wednesday and of course the first person that she bumps into is Daisy. And she's like, I'm looking for Daniel. And Daisy's like, oh, hello, who's this beautiful girl come to get come after my man? I'm going to pretend I don't know him. No, sorry. He's moved down south to put his past behind him and I don't have his phone number anymore. What a shame. I think he changed it. Yeah. So Daniel comes home later to find Daisy doing a bit of cooking. They go off for a bit of rompy pumpy. And then post bonk Daisy later says to Daniel, so how many girlfriends you had then? Because you're quite a catch there, Mr. Osborne. Or... How many special girlfriends, at least? And where like, do I spawn? I had one very special I... one, but she died. Thanks where do for I bringing fall it up. on the special spectrum? Anyway, uh, they end up snuggling on the sofa in front of 51st Dates. No, it wasn't. A oh, Spanish 51st date. I thought it turned oh, no, out... It, oh, yeah, it did, didn't it? It was supposed... They thought it was she 51st d- Dates, but it was actually a Spanish uh, blue movie with the same name Is it like something. a famous... I don't know. 
dirty. I, I like Fifty First Dates. That's a nice the film. The original. The original, the proper one. So I don't. I think it's rapey. I, I know. I thought you did. They go to the pub. Daisy spots a voicemail <laughs> from Nikki on Daniel's phone. So she's, she's found his number somehow. I don't know. And then Daisy listens to it and deletes it. Ooh. Oh, what a bitch. Sneaky. So um, mm. Friday morning starts with Daniel and Daisy talking holiday plans again. Camping maybe. Daisy's like, don't mind as long as you're there. Fingers down the throat. So, Nikki turns up at school later because, and I, I missed this, is it just supposed to be a massive coincidence yes. that she's applying to be unless, a TA at Daniel's school unless she's gone full on stalker? Unless, unless it gets revealed. We've already got one of those stories. Unless going we on. get, re- unless it gets revealed with like a, a sort of surreptitious glance at some point, hmm. it genuinely does seem to be. Oh look, it's the person I was looking for the other day. I've just been shown into his classroom by this helpful child. Anyway, um, what, I've, what I'm makes going for a. Want- yeah, I'm going for a career change. What makes you want to be a TA, Nikki? Oh, I hate having free time and money. <laughs> yeah. So she sees Daniel. They get chatting, agree to meet in the Rovers later. They go there. Obviously, awkwardness ensues when uh, Daisy... Um, <laughs> Nikki's like, oh, like yeah. that's the girl that told me you live down south now. Yeah, and, and, and actually, I'm actually your girlfriend, says Daisy. So Daisy tries to backtrack a little bit, but Daniel's like, no, don't worry, no harm done. And, and, but Daisy is now, you know, caught on the back foot and Jenny's trying to tell her, don't worry about it. But Daisy is, is a little bit anxious about this reappearance from Daniel's romantic past. Um, things get worse when Daniel learns that Nikki left him a message yesterday and kind of glares at Daisy and knows, well, he kind of assumes that she intercepted it. And when they go home from the pub later, they have a bit of a Barney about Daisy not... Well, da- Daisy starts having a go at Daniel first and says... Who's this Nikki? Why don't you tell me about her? Daisy's uh, Daniel said you didn't have any right to do what you did, so they're both as bad as each other, basically. Um, da- uh, but by the end of the episode, things are okay. Well, aren't no, they? he's like, look, we need to trust each other. You you shouldn't be jealous. But by the way, oh yeah, by the way, Nikki's going for a TA job at my school. Good. Yeah, I didn't even know that secondary schools had TAs. I thought it was more of a primary school thing. Did you have TAs in your secondary school? It wouldn't be relevant now, would it? Why? Because we went to school so long ago. We went to school in 1958. <laughs> things have changed. I want to know, you they know. They stopped rationing. I really, really want to see Nikki's CV. And when um, when Mr. Griffin says, right, who am I going to employ? Right, there's this one here that used to be a sex worker. Now she wants to be a TA. No. I can't see any problem with that. Nobody's going to find that out. Says here she used to be a special counsellor and she's got really good interpersonal skills. Special griefs counsellor. Yeah. <laughs> and she works she's good she works well with people, it says here. She's good at one on one. I think it's um it's very, very odd cha- choice of career change for Nikki. It, Fine if that's the route they're going to take her down there. But I do hope that it kind of comes out as part of her story that somebody realised, like one of the dads at school is like, hang on a minute, I know you. You can't, you, you can't have a story where an ex-prostitute becomes a TA and not Sex have a story worker. where there's a massive scandal when it all comes out, surely. Um, Presumably this TA is going to handily be assigned to Daniel's class as well. So I I've hope seen... she knows the difference between subordinating conjunction and a preposition. Yeah. How about that? What were you saying? I've seen more than one story about people being hounded out of their work in schools because of some kind of 
unsavory, shall we say, element of their personal life that comes to light. I'm not saying which she I shouldn't. Don't, no, I don't. I don't agree with that. I think it's awful. I think people should, you know. I think it's, as long as you can separate it. But you're right. This is ripe. This is for massively ripe Coronation for Street potential. scandal. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I assume she's going to get the job. She has to do her interview. Was it next week? She has to take a class, which yes, sometimes TAs do do. Because you asked me about I did, that. I and I've said before about what my think. What I think about that. Well, I, if you're a higher level teaching assistant, which she clearly won't be because she's not done it before. Um, you, you, if you're a higher level teaching assistant, you can. If you're just a a bog standard teaching assistant so as an an entry level one then you probably shouldn't really be taking classes on your own but i think i think maybe she just means you know i need to lead a group or something like that. my only thoughts on it are that ta is being paid very poorly for the responsibility get taken advantage they get that's what exactly what i think about it tas are being asked to take classes when it's a teaching job that you get paid a lot more to do i think it's unfair and it's taken advantage and i can see in the future a world where classes are taught by tas who are getting paid crap and teachers are employed by you know a very small number to do all the paperwork mm. yeah no no it, it just seems like a really stupid and obvious way schools for and the budgets government and to staff save money. And everything is so stretched and, and luckily we do have you know that the, the country has lots of good teaching assistants who are willing to step up. Yeah, to the they're plate, all but wonderful. They, they all really should be work really hard. It. Exactly, they work really hard, and they just as just as many other people in careers that are vocations rather than you know jobs mm. get taken advantage of and treated like crap yeah. and paid the minimum. Yeah, and teachers already don't get paid enough that yeah as much as they deserve. So to to, to change that into you know. TA's taking the brunt of the labour just seems just abysmal. That's us on our soapbox. What did you think about Daisy's reaction to Nikki this week? Did you... Oh, dear. <laughs> understandable. Sharing herself in glory again. Yeah. I kind of get it. And it is, it is still quite sweet in a way that she is so into Daniel, genuinely into She's him insecure. and not just trying to, to get his house money off him, which does still keep getting mentioned, well, he, doesn't yes, it? Well, he gets a once a summer house, I'm going to take you We work. thought that our house sale took a long time to go through. How long is this Well, no, he's got sitting tenants, he said, and he's waiting for them to, oh, to leave so that. that he can sell the house. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know, I guess Daisy's already done the I've made myself look bad thing. I don't really know where this story's going to go. I don't care particularly. I've got zero no. interest in Daniel rekindling things with Nikki. Um, I'd rather he stayed with Daisy. So I, I just think, guess it's one I of these think... test, early tests in the relationship sort of stories. And she's going to disappear off to Lytham again. Yep. I, I, don't, I, I don't imagine she's going to stay. I just am um, buff- brief... baffled that n- none of the circumstances under which Nikki left originally has been raised by anybody. No. Because no. I think it would be quite awkward. <laughs> I think Nikki's a bit brazen. I want Nikki to go up to um to Daisy and says, "Has he tried to get you to dress up as? Yeah, has he tried he just, to make you do the voice? Yeah, he make you wear the cardigan." <laughs> and Daisy's like, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> right, Bailey story, Gemma. Over to you, this the old is Bailey. Bailey worth mentioning, but <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will do my best. You could give a like 30 second summary of this. Right, I'll see how quickly I can get through this. And um, I think you'll know why as I describe what happens. Right. The nursery wants pictures of the children's family. So Michael's been going through 
um, every everything to help her settle down, Glory settle down on her first day. And um, they realise that he's looking for uh, pictures of Grace and... The, the, the Bailey family realise. Yeah, yeah. And um, Aggie and Ed are concerned about the fact that she's he's putting these pictures in and he doesn't seem to realise that... Um, it doesn't. Well, What's he, her name? Grace. Glory. Grace. Yeah, sorry, Grace. Grace is like abandoned the baby, so Aggie doesn't think that she has the right to be in the pictures. Well, also Aggie and Ed have got the secret that they were trying that Grace was trying to blackmail them last year. Yeah, Michael doesn't and they're like, should we yet. tell? Should we tell Michael the truth? And Aggie says, "This is what Ed says," and Aggie says, "No." And then um, Ed tells Michael that Aggie found a picture of Grace and took it out of the pile. Michael gets mad. Ed's like, why would you even put it in there in the first place? And Michael says, still her mum, doesn't matter. And she'll come back one day. So he seems to be in de- denial. Mm. And then on Wednesday, Michael's going to throw Grace a first birthday party. So he's looking for Grace on the internet. He can't find her because she's gone off social media. I assume this is some kind of um, protest against fake news. But... She's, been, she's been turning up on my social media quite a lot recently. She's doing lots of jogging around Nottingham. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he wants to invite her to this party, but he can't find her. On Friday, um, Michael gets a phone call. He talks to a designer. He wants to collaborate on his website because he does baby grows. He's given up on Grace. Um, meanwhile, everybody's getting excited about, uh, Grace's birthday party. Ed and Ronnie go to the bistro. They want to make a big do. They ask Debbie if they can host it there and have a puppet show. And Mary invites herself. But then um, Michael says he doesn't want to have a big thing, just wants a family do. So Ed cancels the puppets. Another classic from the Bailey family there. <laughs> I, I mean, in, in in some ways, it was a bit of respite from the high drama of, of the Abbey stuff. And I still don't hate the Baileys as much as everybody else does. I think, apart from maybe one of them, they've all got fairly redeeming features. I, Ed is fine. He's kind of nice, kind of teddy bear sort of man, isn't he? Aggie, I'm liking more and more every day. And they're integrating her into other storylines by being super nurse. I think she's got her head screwed on. Michael, Egg, Aggie I've always liked. is the Swiss army knife of the Bailey family. Yeah, totally. Michael, I've always liked. But they still... I still don't particularly like Ronnie. Well, much, whatever. But... Hey, whatever. Who cares? Glory, Grace, birthday party, invited, do you not think? Coming. Do you think that Grace is going to come back? Don't know. Don't. Not sure. Be nice as she did. But I think, again, it would be like, why did you go then? It When I spoke to um to, to Kate Spence a couple of months, Kate Spence a couple of months ago, she, she didn't seem to make out that, that Grace was going to come back. But if it was a surprise, she wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think she particularly needs to come back. I quite enjoyed her, but I don't think we're going to get to see her again. The the one other bit in the story, which was of note, I suppose, is that there was a bit of a thing between Debbie and Ronnie, wasn't there in the yeah. uh, in the in the Rovers, not the Rovers in the Bistro, because they got together like last summer, maybe, didn't they? But they're still, but we've never going. seen them dating particularly. We there's been no indication about whether it's going on or not, and apparently it still is. So so Debbie and Ronnie shippers. Um, Hope you enjoyed the little bone that you were thrown today. Um, finally, no, we haven't got finally. Penultimately, we've got the Adam story, which just played out on Sunday's episode. Um, he starts off at the police station, telling the cop there all about the evil plotting that Lydia must have been doing to, to 
get them in this situation. The cop there finds it very hard to believe that Lydia would be standing outside his flat at three o'clock in the morning sending messages. He's basically saying, are you telling me she did this and this and this? And Adam's like, yes. Literally, I'm telling you that. Yep. Um, At work... um, Sarah's telling Carla about all these texts that uh, that she's seen and uh, she still hasn't decided for herself yet whether she believes Adam or not. Then Lydia turns up um, and says, I just need to let you know, Adam's been arrested. And she was like, what, what the hell, what for? Um, Carla doesn't believe um, Lydia's story yeah, about well, him trashing the flat. She's, she's, got, she's got Lydia's number, hasn't well, she? Well, also, Adam's, Carla's family. Now, she's married to Peter, who is... Adam's yeah, that's true. Nephew <laughs> or something. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, th- oh yeah, this is where we had the Mr. Hair scene, wasn't it, from earlier? Because it was put in to show that somebody's coming in, they don't want anything to do with Adam because of the dodgy reviews that he's been getting on rateyourlawyers.com. So Adam's at number one with Daniel later. He gets a message from the solicitor's regulation authority. Someone has reported him and he could get struck off. He could get disbarred and everything. So he goes back to his office, tells Imran, who's like, stop telling me bad news. I don't need any more bad news. I'm a news. new father. I'm having a great life. I'm nothing, I don't want anything to go wrong yeah. in my life. Not in this storyline, not in the other storyline, nothing. I've so just I'm- been in an uninvited to Glory's birthday party. I'm already having a terrible day. <laughs> there was going to be like, puppets. Yeah, man says, why did you even go around Lydia's flat if you didn't want anything to do with her? Leave it alone. And, and <laughs> I, I do believe you. Just let the police do their job and make sure that they believe you as well. So Adam's next stop is the pub. Daisy's there lending a bit of a sympathetic ear. Sarah comes in. Adam says, do you want a drink? And she says, no, thanks, me darling. Adam ends up in a booth with Sarah, though, who tells him exactly what she believes, i.e. all of it. She's completely fallen for Lydia's story here, don't want anything, and she doesn't want Adam to have anything to do with her anymore, or Harry. Um, and it, like, I was like, does Adam really care about Harry? Have we seen Adam in a scene with Harry before? I suppose I thought all these other, in the background of scenes, maybe they've been next to each other, but oh well. Um, at the end of the episode, Lydia kind of comes up to Adam in the street and gloats very loudly that I'm only just getting started with you, mister, so you'd better watch out. So um, I, I had been under the impression that this story was kind of close to reaching its conclusion at this point. Maybe that was just hope. Wishful thinking, man. Wishful thinking. Maybe there's more, but uh, I don't know. I was very, very glad that this story didn't feature on Monday, Wednesday and Friday's episodes. Yeah, it was, I guess it was going to be back from a past week, wasn't it? it? It was. It was a remnant from last week. Um, it may well be back next week because this is still a big story, but it now very much pales um, when it put up against what's going on with with Abby and the baby and everything. It's, I still, I still kind of find it interesting. It's semi interesting, but I didn't miss it when it, it wasn't it, on. I think I've, I some for some reason feel a connection, and I think it's due to a phobia or anxiety that i have based on nothing which is i guess the point of a phobia that somehow i'll be accused of something i never did and oh you know how like when you're young you're like quicksand you've got to worry about the quicksand and you, when you grow up you're like it's not going to happen to you not unless but, you don't but I'm no, like, nick would tell you otherwise <laughs> i get really anxious about people being falsely accused of things and so i find it fascinating and uh 
cringy to watch Adam trying to protest his innocence with no way to defend himself mm. against this really carefully orchestrated smear campaign that Lydia has been working on for months behind the scenes. I just I just think it's really engaging. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, the characters aren't... That's that's the problem. That my favourite, so... L- Lydia's quite fun. I mean, Sarah on her own is quite fun. Adam I've never been a mega fan of, but just together... Mm. it's funny how um, I guess it's more dramatic this way but whenever there's an innocent person being accused of something on a soap it's almost always because somebody else fit them up yeah whereas <laughs> um, you know there are plenty of true crime stories where people have been found guilty of a crime that they definitely didn't commit mm-hmm. right Drop final Dead story Ted. this was quite cute final story mm, yes this is the last one right this is Drop Dead Ted on Sunday this is the only day that we had it this week um we had a weird, like, is it quasi-sexual pancake-making session with <laughs> Faye and Craig, but there's no syrup, so they have squirty cream, and then Emma comes in saying, oh, sorry, I think I've, I've um, and I'm interrupting something here. Um, she goes off to meet a friend, and uh, Faye and Craig sort of resolve to make sure that they look after Emma because of how sad and lonely she is. Turns out Emma's actually having a lovely date with John at the Chariot Square Hotel. Who's John, you might ask? He's the grandson of the man that Emma and Faye murdered by accident, along with his ginger nut biscuits. Um, he reveals that he's moving to Australia in a few weeks. Oh, shut! And Emma's like, oh, I used to live there. Watch out for the drop bears. She says, let's enjoy their time together while they still can. Wouldn't it be too, wouldn't it be romantic? And he says, let's go to the Rovers. She's not very keen on this because she doesn't want to get rumbled. Um, John's confused about why she is being secretive about their relationship. She can't really tell them. Tell him it's because uh, <laughs> of his granddad. Um, so she tells him about Curtis and says, I was nearly married to a man who lied. Um, and he says, I understand. I think I remember that episode. They carry on having a lovely time. Emma gets home. Craig and Faye have put on a cocktail party for her to cheer her up. Guilt, guilt, guilt. Because she's actually had a great time. I thought that those were lovely scenes with John and Emma. It's very nice after all this misery that Emma <coughs> is laughing, you know, smiling. Oops. Ooh, what are you doing? I do think that Emma, <laughs> Emma and um, John are life's innocence. And yeah, they are. He's no, a, he's listen, let me finish. Um, together can only come to great harm <laughs> because they're going to be taken in. Mm. They're going to be rooked left, right and centre. I can't see good things happening to two such sweet, naive people. You need to combine the the good and the bad. Like, you're the good and I'm the bad, so oh, that's how we protect ourselves. <laughs> like like Imran and Toya, though, this relationship just potentially has true. doomed written all over <laughs> yeah. it after what happened. Although he does seem really nice. Maybe he's the sort of person that she could tell the truth and he was like, oh yeah, he was old anyway, I love you, let's, let's not forget about it, let's just jet, let's forget about it and jet off to Australia and live happily ever after. I don't know, maybe they could. It is interesting, How is how is this story going to end? It's got to end with a confession, hasn't it? It's got to. And then what will he say? Is oh, he gonna? He just I, seems too nice. He's. I think he'd. I think he'd I say bet, never mind. Can I just say or if he was I, actually or I'm really nice, offended, and then the next episode yeah, he comes back happen. and says, "Oh no, actually." I'd like to think that a really nice man might have a problem with somebody killing your granddad and lying about it. Was it was just an accident. She didn't really oh, kill him. Just an accident. Right. 
two hours that street talk that wasn't like you know it could have been longer considering I was trying we to had... rush because I know we've got a big topic to discuss we in have the news. Oh, we got, oh yeah we have haven't we oh, that's good yeah um, yeah we have so then just two hours not so bad considering there were four hours worth well, of Corrie to discuss also considering that the first hour almost entirely was just Abby yeah yes, and her a lot of bab- it was Babby um, Abby and the Babby <laughs> <laughs> um, right, speaking of four, I am, that is going to be my score yeah. for this week. I am rewarding this week's Coronation Street four damp crotches out of five. Yes, Very much idea. enjoyed it. Not four and a half. There was too much other filler stuff. Um, and also, you know, there is the, the potential, just the, the horrible doomedness of Toy and Imran that I'm not really loving. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm very happy with this week. Yeah. Long may it continue. I hope it does. I'm not getting my hopes up, but um, yes, I'm enjoying it while I can. What's your score? I'm definitely agreeing with you on the four here. Four spicy blamonges from me. <laughs> I just thought that there were a few, a few dull stories and some weird t- tone shifts that I didn't yeah. like. Yeah. But what amazing drama in some parts. Oh, it's great. It was and it's got great. to be Abby for Character of the Week. I mean, I'm you trying know, to just think, as- could there be anyone else? Could it be Toya? Could it be... Um, ew, oh, gosh, I don't know. Daniel? No. Sam? Laura? Roy? Roy um, Danny? Kenny? Lenny? Lenny? I don't know. It's, 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 it's Abby for me. It's just got to be Abby, hasn't it? You know, Whether you like her or not, and I know that a lot of people don't, yes. she was absolutely the character that everyone was talking about this week. She yep. was the character who this week revolved around, for better or for worse. Uh, I mean, as a character that I really like, I have got no qualms about giving her character of the week. Giving her a good old thumbs up. Absolutely. Right. That is that for this week's Street Talk. Let's move on. So after that exciting Street Talk, let's talk about some exciting Coronation Street news, Gemma. And um, this is, there were a few little mini bits of news this week, but I wanted to focus mostly on the, the main mega talking point this week which has kind of come out of nowhere hasn't it yes it really did it was news that dropped on twitter from duncan Lindsay from yes. the metro and he's set. like oh i've got some news i've got some interesting news yeah to drop at midnight and i was like oh for god's sake and i'd got i'd gone this to bed be bad. I, I was in bed at about 11 o'clock that night when was it tuesday night maybe and i saw that he, he tweeted this i was like oh yeah i, I get i was like oh this this could be bad because like midnight announcements on coronation street don't happen too much i mean i think is it like monday at midnight they say what's going to happen on next week's show so i thought it's not going to be that so i was thinking well either somebody else is leaving or maybe they've cast somebody maybe or i just immediately went to this is going to be bad i i I went bad as well or i thought that maybe ian mcleod has has announced that he's left but um it was none of those things it was it was um it was entirely unexpected yes um there's a new development building Uh, building development i can't speak building going on at coronation street like right now i think it started the much-discussed Weatherfield precinct that we have never been able to see is now going to be revealed to on air. Yes, um, this, and this is something that they just started building this week, or maybe it's next week it's starting properly, I don't know, and they're imagining it's going to take about six months to complete. Um, it's, okay. It seems like a fairly um, small sort of area. Oh, okay, I don't, I don't know enough about other countries to know whether this is a common setup, but in England, in Great Britain... I think this is a fairly common thing, pedestrianised kind of like square mm. of shops 
which will have two stories and upstairs will be flats and the downstairs will be shops. Yes. And this is like a pretty common sight in almost any kind of outside of a city centre in the suburbs of, of any town or city, you'll get precincty type places that yeah. are pedestrianised, so no cars allowed down there. And you'll have, yeah, just like takeaways. What kind of shops are normally in there? Like charity shops, takeaways, laundrettes, booking shops. I was going to say like video rental stores, maybe not so much anymore. Vape Vaping shops, shops yeah. Um, little cafes. Um, that, that all those kind, kind of, of like not high end, not really chains. And probably at least one of them is a front for money laundering. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so maybe Hashim should have just waited this out and gone there instead. And I don't know canonically if there are any specific shops that have been referred to as being in the precinct, except that we do know that there are definitely charity shops because that's where Craig was going to find out oh, about... Oh yes, to go and find out the crutch. The crutch. He did, didn't he? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean the, the precinct has been something that has been mentioned on and off on Corrie over the years. Most I can imagine like Sophie saying, oh, I'm just off down the precinct. Um, but this no, would never be seen where the wayward youths might congregate to I harass grannies. So. I think so. And, and the fact that Coronation Street is focusing more at the moment on the young characters, it's kind of nice that they've got somewhere to hang out that's not a garden, which yeah. is where they all seem to be loitering at the moment. This is not going to be a very pretty place. No, I think that's and the idea of it. It's supposed to be a bit of a dive, It's a bit I think. gritty, and I yeah, would imagine bit, bit that they're going to make it look like it's been there forever. So it's not... Oh, Most yeah, they'll of these age it places very well. are going to be old looking clapped out. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, you can <laughs> Speaking see. Speaking fondly as somebody spent a lot of time in crapped out <laughs> crap holes. <laughs> Not anymore, Gerard. We've moved no, I'm, on. I'm moving on up. We've got a Greg's around the corner, right? <laughs> oh, but I wonder if there'll be a Greg's there. There should be a Greg's there. This is the other thing. This is going to be an opportunity for them to shoehorn in a few more branded storefronts. It would friends. not surprise me if they do that. And I don't know what I feel about that. Well, no, actually, I do know what I feel like that. I don't think I like Personally, it Personally, I don't mind it. Because, again, I think it adds a bit of realism. It does, but it just kind of really, really, really narrows the amount of real life brands that can get mentioned whereas before you like might see a tin of Heinz beans or something but now you can't or you know what I mean it's like I, every, I everybody understand. on the show has now got an EE router in their shop and everybody goes to um what's the one that's is what's still left there is it Costa that's no, left Costa's right? Every, gone. oh yeah that's right everyone's got a co-op bag yeah um and I, and I it's I, not that weird it I know and to be honest it will be weird if None of the shops are real brands, I suppose, when it opens, won't it? Before we go on to kind of ideas and theories and everything, I just wanted to describe this place. I mean, for those of you who haven't seen the pictures, you, there are like two CGI Im- artist impressions sort of thing of what it's going to look like, which are very easy to find online if you search Weatherfield Precinct. But there's, yeah, you've got your, your bottom row of it shops. It looks like and- where you might get stabbed possibly yeah there's there's what seven eight shops that are going to be there now what's this green thing there's or the, well there are shop windows that have got um chav proof um blind metal blinds in front of them yeah, i think that's what's applied roller blinds that have got graffiti yeah, over them one of them's graffitied add, with callum by the way and i don't know whether that's callum um callum logan or callum the evil 10 year old who's been harassing um Poor Joseph at school. These photos are all night shots. Yes, yeah. Is there more than one? I thought there was more yeah, than one. Yeah, there's one. We're just, we're just looking down. One? There is one more. There's one oh, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay, you've, got, yeah. You, you've got your bottom row of shops where there's like eight or so of them. And then some steps that curve round and then back in again that take like you up to the flats steps, above. Exterior 
yeah, stone yeah, yeah, yeah. steps. And, and, and these flats above, again, there's, what, 10 of them or so? Although they're referred to here as mason nets, which is something that gets Gemma's goat okay, I right don't, up. Right, listen. Okay, right. So this, it kind of looks like, imagine, if you're not from the UK, imagine a motel, but instead of... Oh, good comparison, um, it does. Like, the, you go straight into the, the rooms that like above shops so yeah. you have to walk up steps to get to them yeah. but um i really hate the fact that there is no <laughs> consensus for the meaning of the word masonette feels as though there really is an opportunity here to make something consistent we have flats we have houses a masonette in my opinion makes sense that it doesn't mean either of those things but means a house divided into two individual living spaces with their own separate front door. But then we but, kind of mostly think that because that's where we that's live. That's where we live. But I don't live there anymore. I have no attachment to the to the word <laughs> masonette to mean any one particular thing, but I am fed up with it being used to mean literally anything Well, even you on want. Coronation Street, it's meant something different to these in the I past, know. hasn't it? Because back in the day, you yeah. had Val Barlow uh, living in the masonettes um, on the other side of the street. I suppose that was more similar to these ones, weren't they? Although a there were maybe some downstairs mean, masonettes there. Any living space which is a building but you have your own separate individual front door that leads to the outside yeah and there's also which i guess maybe this is yeah. but these are flats but the houses on the opposite or side apartments. of the street now so the the even houses so gail's house um who else lives there yasmin's house and so on they're also called maze and heads at the moment they're really really not they're, they're just houses but uh, yeah there's a load of those so there's more chance for um characters to move in there although again i think having all the characters there being characters on the street would be a bit odd and we absolutely wanna... do not want another 10 families moving on to no, the no, program. No, no. But I just want to say this makes more sense to me that given the economic status of a lot of the characters on the sh- on the show and how difficult it is to own your own home that there are a greater number of more diverse places to live yeah. because at the moment you live on the street in a terraced house or in the, the masonettes across the, the way or you live in a in a flat above a shop, or you live in either Victoria Court or Red Bank apartments, which yeah. are all really high end, fancy apartments. Which makes sense because there are a lot of people that live in Manchester that live in places like that. Um, but there's nowhere really that's kind of in, you know like the... no, and all the people that couldn't afford their own place lodge with somebody. Yeah. So this could be the opportunity for people to to move away. So some of the houses aren't quite. And so the, you know, I said possibly. I said that there are people that live above flats, but there's not that uh, shops. There's not that many. So this increases the number by quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so in the middle of this, there's this kind of piazza area, uh, which is the the, the yeah. paved bit it's where everyone can hang out. Grey stones. Yeah. So like Gemma said, not the most attractive of places, and some of the designs on the cgi render of it are also like there's paint flaking and everything we're supposed to get the idea that this was like you know a 60s build maybe and yeah. it certainly seemed that better really, it really makes sense this is a very familiar site for lots of people that don't live in pretty little rural villages yeah. or fancy city centers they haven't revealed yet exactly where on the lot this is going to be my initial thought was they're gonna to have to take up some car park space for this but there's been a little bit of digging around from some people on twitter over the last few days i've seen that reckon that it's going to be tucked in a little bit behind where um like the tattoo parlor and everything are there's a there's a little square there isn't it which yeah. is a quite small space but i don't know maybe you don't need much space for this no it doesn't seem like it's going to be as big as i thought it should be but yeah no. it, is, it is taking up um mm. isn't it t- it is taking up parking space yeah. and me... i wonder whether the parking spaces are for cars that are normally parked you know like 
TV cars yeah. or if they're like staff car. Maybe, I cars. don't know. Because I, I know that they have problems with people not being able to park. Yeah, well, um, maybe next time we go up to the set, we'll be able to have a, have a sneaky look and see where that is. Let's take a drone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, gosh, yeah, let's drone it. Uh, well, actually, you can probably go up to the top of that massive yeah, block of can. flats across the water and just look at it from down there. Anyway, we've Sorry. got a few quotes from people who are involved in this, which we'll go through first, then we'll carry on our little chat. So we've got Rosie Mullins-Hoyle, who's the production designer behind this, who has said, we're extremely excited to be oh, starting... so much fun. I know. We're extremely excited to be starting to build Weatherfield Precinct this week after a year of technical drawings model making visualising and planning an incredible amount of research has been carried out focusing on the 1960s oh there we go local architecture and we're striving to create an authentic area of Weatherfield with a grittier vibe to the existing street that we know and love so I haven't read this yeah no the build is being led by myself and construction manager Keith Eccleston and is a fantastic opportunity to use some of the amazing behind the scenes talents we have on the show with bespoke joinery scenic artwork graphic design and set dressing skills all being Mm. involved I cannot wait to meet the characters that make call it home and see the businesses that will be created and the storytelling potential of an old but new part of Weatherfield. Well, she's certainly selling that to me. I'm still a little bit concerned about, you know, more characters. No, don't Curry want any doesn't more. need more characters. Unless this is like a long game and they're going to do like a Weatherfield, like, you know... Um, a spin-off show. The Precinct, I can see it now. Precinct. <laughs> Maybe. By the way, what we haven't mentioned is that if, uh, for many of our overseas listeners, Precinct, doesn't it mean like a police station or something that they call? Isn't, Isn't that... it like a jurisdiction area? I, I, I don't know. It's it's something related to the to the police um, in America, I think. But yeah, not, nothing yeah, to do with this here. Although here. we probably will see quite a few police visits to this place. Um, Ian McLeod, um, our glorious producer on Coronation Street, has said, The fabled Weatherfield precinct has been much discussed, but little seen on the show in our 61 years. And I'm really excited to be expanding the Coronation Street universe. The plans for the shopping area are drawn directly from the real world Salford Envro- Environ nice, that inspired the show's creator Tony Warren and exemplify the authenticity and ambition we still prize as we move to hour-long episodes this week. And then we've also got John Whiston, who's the MD of Continuing Drama and Head of ITV in the North, saying, as we hopefully come out of COVID and start to stretch our dramatic legs again, it'll be great to be able to play exciting new stories against a brand new backdrop. And it's a testament to the confidence ITV has in the show that it's investing so much in our future. Mind you, I guess it won't be long before we blow it up, burn it down or crash a tram into it. (laughs) (laughs) I would like them to crash a helicopter. Yes, please. Um, This feels like they're... What? I've just had a brilliant idea. Go for it. Right? They need to crash a a helicopter and it should be a um, a celebrity, a local celebrity. So how about some people from Weatherfield uh, Football Club? Oh yeah, there we go. Weatherfield FC crash land on there. Oh no, James <laughs> can't save him. <laughs> What's your last words, James? Shut up, James. You, you, I'm sorry, we can't rescue you. I'm perfectly fine. No, you're dead. No, his last words are football. <laughs> Tell mum and dad football. Um, Tell mum and dad I I love. <laughs> so football. it certainly seems like they're planning to kind of keep this in and keep. You know, well, it's, not, they... it's not a temporary kind of let's. Let's pop it up for a bit. We're going to be seeing what, this, whether we like it or not. Pop up, pop up massive, precinct. expensive precinct. Yeah, this is going to be a major part of the show in the coming years. Which I don't know. My 
when I first saw this, because you, I, like I said, I went to sleep at about 11 o'clock that night and said, Gemma, Gemma, you got to come and wake me up or tell me if there's if there's anything exciting. And you didn't. Um, so I woke up in the morning. I texted you. Yeah you, te- yeah, you texted me, but I didn't get that until the morning. It's fine. I'm not going to come and wake you up and Michael, say, Michael, Michael, Michael the cancelling coronation. More Masonettes. <laughs> no, exactly. So I don't mind. So I woke up and I was like, oh, what's this? And my first reaction, honestly, was negative. Why? Because I thought... I thought, I want them to film outside the set more. I want location shoots more. It was so brill having the stuff with Abby out in in a car and everything this week. And this is just going to give Coronation Street more excuses not to get out into Manchester. And I totally get it. I know that location shooting is not easy. I know it's expensive. you got to close roads down. you got to... I mean, it's also an invitation for the Paps to get you and say, well, look what Coronation Street's going to be doing in in eight weeks' time or or whenever Whenever, when this airs. So I I totally get it, but it feels to me like it's going to do even more to make the show seem more closed in. Insular. Insular is the word I was thinking, but I didn't want to say it in case I was wrong. Um, I mean, (laughs) thinking about it more, of course I'm excited to see it, and it does open up lots more storyline potential and it'll make a nice change. But um, there, I mean, is, there is a tinge of nervousness about it. My only real question is which royal is going to cut the ribbon? Oh, yes, maybe. Um, <laughs> not hopefully Princess Michael of Kent. We'll get the Queen back, their best mates The now. Queen is still very sick. I thought she She's cancelled. Right She's cancelled an event. Oh, poor Queen. I'm worried. What were you, um, what, did you, was your first thought excitement about this or were you more negative? I thought that's really cool. I'm such a downer. Um, it is nice. The thing is, Michael, you, you know, I understand completely where you're coming from. But on the other hand, uh, they can't really film a precinct anywhere else. And it's either never have a pre- never have this precinct, which is canon in this canon. It's canon <laughs> in, the, in the show. It's it's in a place that it has been referred to. But, um, I mean, they've, they've gone 61 years without showing it's it. It's not essential. I'm not going to lie. But are, are they going to be? Too and the many other, stories. The are they going to feel they have to film there now? That there is a danger again of um, decreasing the value and importance of other sets. Yeah, to, I mean, to to spread the you know. This show is called Coronation Street, and the more that these set expansions have happened over the years, <laughs> the less of actual Coronation Street we've seen. Thing is, well, I just want more rover scenes, and I feel as though if there are more places that aren't the rovers, they're going right. to film there. Um, yeah, I know. I, I, I but agree. you know, the other thing I've you've got to think about is um, the ease of filming and doing. We know that they have different units filming at the same time. Mm. Is this actually going to make it easier? Oh yeah, 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 sure. Because you know they you've got, you've, this got nook. you've got different sound studios, don't you? And different sets are in each one. So one thing that I've never actually really thought about, which seems very obvious to me now, is that you can't have. I don't know where everything is, but say, I can't remember if devs and the salon are in the same studio, but if they are, you can't film there at the same time. Yeah. So what do you do? Mm. And the other thing also is that there might be space inside some of these buildings or interior sets that aren't necessarily linked to these places. It looks like from the artist's render that it's... Yeah, but it looks quite just a frontage. It could be just a frontage. We don't know. It could be... Lots of nice corridors. I'm going to say it probably film. is lots, and, and the the uh, lots of blinds will be down, so we because can't see inside. Because let's not forget that we do have the EE shop and the co-op, but we've never actually been inside either of mm. them, and we don't really do we really need to? I don't know. No. Is this just somewhere? Because you've got 
you can film down Coronation Street, you can film down Victoria Street, you can film down Rosamond Street, you can film in Victoria Gardens, you can film in, um, you know, behind the behind the yeah, in Viaduct you know, Street. Area. But can you do that at the same time? I don't know. Mm. Would they be able to now film something in the precinct and something say round devs? I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. I just think that it's great. It's a great idea. I really like. I really like this because again. I like I like um, things that really reflect genuinely what life is like yeah. for lots of people. And Coronation people Street do... has been a little bit kind of going a bit middle classy, hasn't it? It really has. And you know, we're, I'm middle class. This is taking it back to its but, roots in a way. But I also have, you know, I'm also feel like I'm working class, and I think a lot of people have that feeling. Mm. Um, and we do sometimes feel like we're stuck in between two places. But I do think that Coronation Street has forgotten <laughs> it's working class fruits mm, mm. and not everybody has you know and not everybody's going to eat at the bistro and speed dial hey what if this gives them somewhere else to eat that'd be great because it's bistro speed dial bistro speed well, dial isn't it although i don't boys. think there's going to be any high class restaurants at this no place. but you know a bakery a butcher's yeah. i just i i get i just shop. got a feeling it's just going to be frontages i don't know whether there's going to be any new places for them to go inside I'm, i might be wrong I, I don't know why i'm getting that but I, I just think it's going to be a bit of a back the, the danger is that they spread their characters out so mm. much that there's no reason for them to be a lot of a lot of the interactions on coronation street are due to forced geography like why why is roy talking to shona i mean what why is what say why is ken talking to shona because they're mm. both in the cafe together yeah you know yeah yeah, you no, have to right. force this, those. This might spread people out a bit too much. I and still you know, wonder. a lot of people like Eileen, and you know, he doesn't have a big family unit. Why is she going to talk to anybody? Because yeah. she's at work, or she's got a lodger at home, and she's talking to them there. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very interested to find out how often this is actually going to be used. Because, like I said, we've we've gone 61 years without it, and since the Victoria Street set has been sprung up. I mean, that gets used, you know, almost every episode, doesn't it, for something. Is it going to be the same for this? It, it doesn't feel as something that is not in any way connected to the rest of the street. We're not supposed to imagine this is just, you know, around the corner or anything. It feels like you could very easily go weeks or months without using it, and then it feels like a waste of money. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see what the plans are they have for this. Um, I just think it's lovely that there's somewhere that looks like, you know, there are about three or four places in walking distance that look mm. exactly like this from yeah, our yeah, house. Yeah, I can think of some. I, the other thing I was thinking with the... Uh, and they uh, are sometimes the... scary. <laughs> they are. <laughs> you know, like our, like our man on the train the other day. We were, we were easily scared by, by some people. You, you... Uh, I was thinking okay. about the fact that the, some of these could be fronts and not actual sets that ever get used inside, you know, or, or businesses that are going to be put inside. There are still some businesses on Victoria Street that aren't used, aren't they? And they're still populating yeah. them now. We've only had the funeral parlour for a little while you got your tattoo will do nicely that you've never been inside you got your snooker hall that you've been in once for a yeah very memorable scene with right. the black ball butcher if this if this is more ghosts i say the haunted double precinct thumbs up <laughs> the haunted lady of weatherfield so if precinct. they if they can't think if they haven't got enough scope for putting businesses in victoria street what makes us think that they'll put some here I don't know. I don't know. I don't really but talk about I just after. want to point out the high street in this country is not particularly healthy. No. Um, but I, I think charity shops, and I think. Mm. 
Charity shop would, would fit here, definitely. Well, we enough. know that Emily worked in a charity shop. Is this where yeah. it was? No, no, Emily's, well... I, well, for, well, we know for a little that bit, we know the charity, charity shop shops. was um, where the salon was. Now, when that when that salon first opened, we know that, that there charity are charity shop. shops in the precinct. Like I said before, yeah, yeah they've said. Is Coronation Street going to give a free slot for advertising to a charity partner? Maybe, maybe. because I can see that being. You know, we we sometimes mm. give a free advert in a, in the magazine to a charity. Yeah. Why why not? Why can't Coronation Street do that? Which charity would they pick? That's a good question. Maybe they just rotate it depending on which the charity thing, they're using at the moment. The other thing is that they've done quite a few things where they've had um, markets and stuff. Could this be a marketplace? That Could would be they... a very good idea because putting the market on Victoria Street never really works for me. It feels a bit too cramped and they can only fit like a couple of stalls there. There's actually a decent amount of space to have a Weatherfield market here. I hadn't even considered that, but that's a jolly good idea. Thank you. This could be the start of many a fun run. Could. This could be a place where... We get um, Kirk dressed up as Buzz of the Bee trying to solicit charity donations for <laughs> Weatherfield Football Club putting together money to get James a clue, for example. Maybe. I, I, I want to know like who's going to be the first person stabbed or you know, lying there yeah, dead on the flagstones. Who's going to fall over the edge of the balcony? Gemma and Chesney let the children play with broken glass. Yeah, maybe. Which like is that. a time-honoured tradition in shopping precincts <laughs> across the country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was I, something else that I saw online about it. Just like ideas, or could any current businesses on Coronation Street move there, possibly? Mm-hmm. And I don't I know. Don't, I don't know don't what know. particularly, but um, I just think there's lots of businesses that you would expect to see. We've listed I've listed a lot of them. Yeah. The other thing that I'm interested in is that we know that Coronation Street was talking about expanding the set previously with facades. Um, that I don't know if they've actually manifested. They talked about having a pharmacy. Yeah, well, that, that's that's still ongoing. I think that's that, going to be in the thing that's going, opening in June. I just wonder whether they said, the do you know what? Let's not put it there. Let's put it in the precinct. No, I, I think that that is part of it. Well, but then might. it feels a bit like redundant if they're going to have the potential to have a whole load of other shops here. It's I don't all very know. interesting. It's it all very exciting. What's going to happen? Think, we I, don't I'm know. also kind of glad that there's somewhere else that they can use as you know dodgy street because at the moment if they want to have somewhere that's you know not coronation street not rosamond street not victoria street they just bung it in that victoria what is it kitchener street sorry behind roy's because that's where they like i think had the club recently when kelly was being a down and out she was she was huddled there homeless in the precinct that's perfect for her um, so that that tiny little mini street there, the, the, the tanning salon was there. I mean, this would be a perfect place for somewhere like that. Outside of the um, cancer research charity yeah. shop. But I, I do I do worry a little bit that Corrie's going to go too far down the gritty route with it. We don't need to be. We don't need it to we be. We don't need standards. it to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and EastEnders obviously just revealed their new set, haven't they? Oh yes, that's I don't just know anything this about week, what it apparently. looks like, but everyone probably, was really probably impressed the same and as thought the last it was great. One, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's. This I've, is great. I've always this is thought that news. EastEnders feels like but it has some... a bigger set than Coronation Street. I've got no. I mean, they've got a whole square, yeah, haven't exactly. they, with a little bit of grass in the middle? But I don't know how big it is. I mean, I wonder if you could. It's probably very, very easy to do. Just like finding it on Google Maps and plonking it on top of the other one. I think with all the expansions that Corrie's had in the last few years, I wouldn't be surprised if Coronation Street is bigger. Because I mean, we've still got like now the factory set. You've got the whole brewery lane bit back there, which doesn't really get used for anything. Um, there, there's quite a lot, isn't there? There's. It's. And it's I, just, it makes honestly, me wonder when are they going to stop? Yeah, I know. And. 
finally, I think one thing to say is that this does feel like quite positive news as far as how the health of the show. Oh yeah, is absolutely. Going. They wouldn't do they're, this. They're if investing. They're this is going to be millions of pounds. Yeah. Surely to build all this crap. <laughs> <laughs> to make it look old <laughs> and clapped out um so they're obviously not concerned mm. um hopefully that's not um uh, that's good you yeah. know hopefully they're not gonna yeah i reckon we might have like some of the young teens like move out into a flat there i think that well, it might would be make, a nice early story say, like, having asher move out it would have made much more sense if asher and Corey, Corey had moved into a dive above <laughs> yeah. a kebab shop than Nick and Leanne's yeah. flat. Although, I mean, Corey was very rich, wasn't he? It was Stefan that was bankrolling that one. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I, I think we might have... Or, or like, you know, at the moment we've got Faye, Craig, Emma, Tyrone all living together in the same place, which is a bit silly. Yeah. Having, having Craig and Faye move into one of these would be good. But Although that kind of... Craig wouldn't be able to tear himself away from the window with all the with all the ne'er-do-wells. That There's plenty of ne'er, yeah, in ne'er-do-wells city. <laughs> um, that, that kind of layout or kind of size flat is going to be the sort of thing that people are going to be living in mm. yeah definitely definitely it's a good good start to homes and ending homes because there might be some old there's away peas there as well living in there. Oh, i really hope that there's going to be a crotchety old woman living in one of them oh i just don't need any new characters that's but that's at the, the same thing. time there are co- if i could swap that. out some oldies for some newies i would Maybe. not be Maybe. This is why I think that we should start this off with dropping a helicopter on a few of them. <laughs> so, we've got a we've got the new the new bit with possibly the pharmacy which they've been building for the past two years. It feels like opening this. And this June, is also so going to be a visitor centre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or the visitor centre that is all coming shop, in a, in you know three four Rovers months time. Return pub. Yeah, um, and then this new bit is hope. It says six months to be done, so expect to see it. You know, late autumn. As, a bar, as long as there aren't any hold-ups. I mean, maybe we're going to have something on the Super Soap Week there in October. We will have to well, wait now, and see. I mean, Paul at Corriott put, put a map of it, didn't he? Like, where mm. it probably is. Um, because it's inside their zone of yeah. whatever, they don't have to go through the council. No, no, you not, do, if you go onto no, the Trafford um, no, building um, regs website, there's, there's nothing there. But what they did do, didn't they, I think, when they opened the new part, the new Victoria Street, was mm. they had somebody, they had like a scene of somebody walking mm. all the way along, didn't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they are they going to do the same thing again? I hope so. I'm, I can't wait to see it. I cannot wait to see it. And I also wonder... I mean, I assume they will have it open on the Coronation Street tour once it's there as well, especially if it's just, you know, because at the moment, the Coronation Street tour, you come in Viaduct Street, down the street, out Victoria Street, and bam, you're done in the car park. Yeah, but if that out. bit is round to the left of Victoria Street, then that could be a nice closing part. It's like, so, here is the brand new set, everybody. Right, so starting if, to make the £35 feel a little bit more worth it now. <laughs> if I'm walking along Victoria Street, yes. and I'm walking away from Roy's Rolls, and I'm walking yeah. up towards... E.E. and and the, and the, and the tram garden. Station and yeah, where is this place? I think it's like over the other side of the tram station. So there's no access. I don't think so. That's going to be annoying, isn't it? I don't know. I'm 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 making this up. We'll I'm sure we will find out it's in the possible. coming months what's going to happen. Yeah, because with the it. the thing to consider also is that there is like a parallel universe that exists the other side of Victoria Court where the police station is mm. that is supposed to be nowhere near everything else. And I cannot Are see they that when, whenever they. I don't need it to connect. I no, don't I'm want listening it to, to what I'm saying. Are they going to connect it to the precinct? Oh, maybe, maybe. 
But um, yeah, whenever I see anyone outside the police station on Coronation Street now, I can't picture it being anywhere other than (laughs) just around the corner from Roy's because I've literally walked there from there. (laughs) So I I kind of want this new bit to be blocked off. So in my head, talk (laughs) about this now. We have we've been speaking about this for half an hour. It's big news. It's not every day that this happens, is it? So and that's why we didn't want to. Is there any other news? No, we we won't. We won't. The other other thing to say is that if you do want to go see for yourself the Coronation Street set, the tour's now open. Back on as of today, when this podcast is being released, you can go and you do the Coronation Street tour again. Thirty-five pounds, and I think it's only weekends. It is only weekends. Um, um personally, I would say person. hold out until the summer because then you'll be able to see the new bit that's open. If but... you've never been before, you'll love it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. If you, it's if... not very long. It's less. It will be an hour. You'll be done in an hour. But you get to see everything and they let you take photos. Yeah. It's really good fun. And you can have a sneaky look at like see where can... what the developments doing, I suppose. And if you're if you've got a keen eye, you might spot some spoilers. Like some people before I remember saw the licensee name changed over the rovers at one point, oh, yes, etc. Et exactly. There's always stuff to it look is, out for. It is like fun. That, it really it? is fun. It is it is it is. It is just not everybody has £35 no, each. No, um, and, and if you've been before, there's not going to be mega changes. Although, being this this one, you have got Seb's Garden that you can go to. Yeah, now, and, and the, the funeral parlour is going to be new as well. So and I the am, EE shop, exactly. as opened by Kevin so Bacon. I, so I, I know that you, you mentioned him earlier, Paul from Coriart has said he's going to see the new Scurry tour set um, tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully Saturday. he'll post some things so look on at, social Yeah, look media. out for lots of pictures for those. It should be yeah. fun. Yes, exciting. Right. That's it. That is the news. Here comes the feedback. Okay, we are going to do some feedback. Thank you, everybody, who has sent us some emails this week. We've got quite a few. Lovely, lovely, lovely. And thank you for everybody who voted on our Facebook poll. Last week's Coronation Street got 3.63 out of 5, so not bad, says the Facebook people. Heather gave it four checked mates out of five, which I quite liked. Shauna gave it three and a half drugs donkeys. And Jonathan was my pick of the week this week. He gave it three and a half dates with your grandfather's killer out of five. It's the half date, you know, the final date is the one where you realise. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> like, I'm cutting out. this short, yeah. <laughs> right, um, I'm going to read off this first email, if you don't mind. This is from George, who says, I knew it. I knew Abby was pregnant. However, I was still quite shocked when she went into labour. If only she wasn't in the situation she was in, as she was very clearly distressed and not in the best state even after she made her get away from the hospital. I believe Imran is the father and will leave the cobbles with his tail between his legs once Toya learns everything. No. Now with Laura, I've clearly not been paying attention as I thought when she came back declaring she was dying, I thought she said she only had six days left to live. So it's a bit strange she hasn't shuffled off this coil yet. That is, if she really is sick. Do you remember her saying this? I don't remember anything about Laura saying she only had six days left to live. I thought that she just kind of said it's the sort of cancer where you definitely can't come back from it. I don't know. Do you remember? I don't remember her couldn't, saying she could, oh, she couldn't have I was going to die in six no. days. Um, I also think it's about time the Rick story is dealt with so that Gary gets exposed as one of the worst villains ever. And we can confirm it's Rick is dead because we didn't see the body. So as far as I'm concerned, he's still alive. Do you know what? That would be the ultimate psych, wouldn't it? It would. I I cannot see it. I really, really, really do not believe that Rick Neeling can be alive after all of this. He can't be. He can't be. Um, he would have come back at this point. Gary, Gary's dug up the body and moved him, hasn't he? As far as we yeah. know. He can't oh, be. As far as we know. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, where's the report? Not a bad theory, but I don't think... Thank you, George. Don't think so. Richard has emailed and said... Um, 
having watched the show for all of my 52 years and being blessed with a very good memory, I am privileged in remembering the 17 stalwarts such as Ina, Annie and Albert. I realise that it's a lot easier to retrospectively watch episodes now, but I still feel fortunate in having watched them at the time as their characters were instrumental in forging my Corrie passion. As the top-rated show, and surprisingly, most of the cast were the subjects of This Is Your Life at various times. Most of these episodes have been uploaded onto YouTube and provide an interesting social commentary of their times, such as the This Is Your Life subject and their guests smoking during the programme. <laughs> I watched Jack Howarth's 1974 episode earlier this week. Jack played Albert Tatlock, an original character who Ken always referred to, and still does very occasionally, it's Uncle Albert, as his he was his first wife's Val's uncle and Ken lived with the old man after Val died. Number one was his house, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jack Howarth was born in 1896, served in Belgium and France in the First World War and died aged 88 in 1984, with Albert passing in the show at the same time. Uncle Albert's photo still looks on from Ken's sideboard. Jack Howarth was in his late 70s at the time of This Is Your Life and unsurprisingly, his son was already in his 40s. The purpose of this email is to share a Corrie trivia fact I learned whilst watching this episode. The long-running host, Eamon Andrews, a reference to Jack and his son, that when his son arrived at school as a little boy around the start of the Second World War, Jack realised that his son looked very scared and alone and suggested that he go and stand with another little boy who also looked very scared and alone as he waited to start school that day as well. And who was that other boy Jack, Eamon asked? Little Billy Roach, the old man answered, <laughs> indicating to the 40-something and not-so-little Billy Roach, who was one of the guests. Oh. Wow, that's amazing. That is a, a coincidence, That's isn't a bloody it? great world. trivia. <laughs> I thoroughly recommend that this is your life episodes and hope others enjoy them too. I can't wow, remember whether we've seen some that, of them. Richard. I think we must have seen some of the old I think I've seen the clips lives, like the, the Doris Speed had one, didn't she? And did Pat Phoenix have one? I can't remember. But um, yeah, maybe that is something we need to seek out at some point. Because, um, you know, you could, there's so much that's available on YouTube. I just love that that stuff. I agree with Richard. It is absolutely fascinating to watch it. It really is social history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're into the old Coronation Street stuff. If you're not into the old Coronation Street stuff, I challenge you to watch some of it and see if you see aren't you actually think. secretly all along <laughs> classic Cory fan. Um, Jack has sent an email. Now, this was in response to something that I read, read on Facebook about um, Cory potential... What, somebody's theory about... Or somebody's preference for Coronation Street to shift its production methods and saying, well, we need to cut the episodes down, uh, make them shorter, make fewer episodes a week, but put the same amount of money into them so they're more high-quality drama and everything like that. So he, he wanted to share his ideas about that. Long live Corrie, says Jack. It may be at times exasperating and at a time alluring, and at times alluring, at times infuriating, and at times charming, at times horrific and at times humorous. I will fight and watch until my dying breath for it, though. I've been watching for 30-odd years and love it or hate it, I keep on watching. It's quite amazing how many people here in Canada who, when I mention that I watch Corrie, are also avid fans. The viewership is always an interesting thing to question. How many watch it when it airs? How many PVR it and watch it when it's convenient? Do all those who don't actually watch it when it airs but watch it, like me, when it's convenient to my schedule, actually factor into the numbers when they say how many people actually watch it? I wanted to know if this could be an interesting thing to discuss on either the podcast or the Facebook group. The main question, Jack, is not how many people watch Coronation Street when it's on and not, but in the world 
are there more doors or wheels? Oh, this is your thing this week, wasn't it? Your theory. How many wheels are there in the world and are there more wheels than doors? Well, we'll save this for another time, Gemma, because don't want to, you know, just jump into Jack's email. The one thing, I will say this, the one thing that really frustrates me about the modern era is I remember sitting in history classes as a child and them saying, around so-and-so million people this and about, you know, 100,000 people that and who can say how many teachers there were in 19... 22 and i think you should be able to know this stuff surely we know this stuff and now we're in the modern era and we don't know anything we don't know how many people had covid we don't know how many people died with covid we don't know how many people watched coronation street we don't know how many people download coronation street is this shouldn't be unknown i want everything to be quantified and written down i want the government to be spying on all of us i need a census of coronation street yes i want you know they watch us and spy on us. This is the thing. What are they doing? <laughs> We're obviously not making bombs, so why can't you just watch interesting things and be like, apparently, last, did you hear that yesterday, 22 million people in the UK ate toast for breakfast? <laughs> why don't we know these things? I'm going to carry on Jack's email. He says, there Sorry. seems to be a radical changes coming in, and for- unfortunately the cast, the set, and seemingly the direction of the show itself, with its focus on or rather the passing the baton to the younger cast. I find myself what I may consider myself to be a Corrie purist in that I love the silly Mary humour, the awkwardness of Roy, the longing of, for Moira to return to the cobbles Aww. and hashtag bring back George yes. movement. But I also understand the move that to make Corrie survive, it must adapt to what the next generation of fans find interesting and what might make them fans for life. Yes, I can understand that, Jacques, but do you, do you not find the, the youngsters interesting? Because I think we had a similar kind of, uh-oh, you yeah, know, we kind were a of... Yeah, we a bit of trepidation. I don't know if this is what I want. Um, You know, am I actually in touch with this group of people? Do they share my interests and values? Or is everything that they like... I don't like, hang around the precinct. Yeah, is everything they hold dear alien to me? I don't do the TikToks. But... I think, you know, not being a youngster, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to hazard a guess to say, I think they're doing a pretty good job at making these stories as relevant to the groups they're talking about as they are to people that don't really have a clue. Yeah. And the the thing about Coronation Street is that it always has been a bit of a, multi, a, a multi-generational show. Um, you know, back in the day, we only really had Lucille as, as the youngster, mm. but that was because the cast was so small. Yeah. And they had, they really did have a very big range because if you think about, you know, a lot of people don't really think about this, but Ken was a student at the beginning of Coronation Street. He was a university student. So actually he was a teen. He was a youngster. He was a young lad himself. He was a similar almost age. Not that they ever looked this this young one back in the day because, you know, people grew up fast, got a flat then, cap when the, t- the time they were <laughs> 10. But um, he he was a he was a comparable age to the characters now. You yeah, know, he was a, he was a lad. He was a young lad in the beginning of his, of his life. And he was young. He was younger than like Daniel is now, wasn't he? Yeah. So yeah, it can be difficult to. This is the always the problem when you're trying to pitch your show to everybody that you cast too wide of a net and you miss everybody. And you're too specific and you exclude people. So I don't think they're doing too bad of a job at the moment. That's what I'm trying to say. But I can I can understand the the thing about Coronation Street is that it's constantly shifting 
to find new audiences and does risk alienating people and everybody I think if you're a long-term fan will have their favorite era of the show Mm. yeah yeah no I agree good answer I I will I will add no more because I'm a bit tired but I will say Gemma would you like to read Rebecca's email okay Rebecca by the way if I sound strange because I'm reclining like a Roman emperor. <laughs> she is, she and totally I, is. I've constricted my chest like, somewhat. I feel like I need to feed you grapes. I don't have as much lung space as I should <laughs> have, but I don't want to move, so I'm comfy. Right, I'll read, read Rebecca's. Well, I'm, I'm dropping off to sleep because this electric blanket is very comfortable <sighs> on my legs. Got a tasty tush. We've been talking a long time this evening. This is like this, this is, is probably like, one the longest, longest podcast for a, for a while. It's been fairly short this year because we haven't had much to say. But we you just know, good Corrie this week. Big news. Like I said before, I think you're uh, it's getting balls are dusty, so <laughs> thought we'd give you an extra half hour to get those sorted. And maybe if you look around the room, you might find a few spiderwebs. Yeah. Rebecca says, first, love the airport scene. You was right. It was great to see the location scenes again. I'm so glad Joseph agreed to stop, even though I understand if he went to Portugal for a few months as a trial. That's a bit rude, isn't it? Going to Portugal's not a trial. (laughs) (laughs) Hope saying she would kill her sister to go to Portugal was typical Hope. And Ruby asking what was Spartan Portuguese was funny too. I sympathise with Chesney as even though he didn't want Joseph to go, he knew it was in his best interests too. It's really funny thinking that this is just a week ago, the Chesney story. It feels like a different world compared to where the the big drama was this week. And that was the A story of last week, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I also enjoyed Bernie and Linda making a truce. And like Michael, I enjoyed Linda much better this time around too. I'm really enjoying Lydia, the Lydia story too, especially Sarah. I love it when she gets all petty. I think Lydia will get caught out soon, but not for a few more weeks as I have a feeling she's not over yet with her scheming. Sarah throwing Adam's clothes out the window was funny. I also liked the Sarah and Nick scene. That was sweet. I don't like Abby going down a deep hole, even though that is what Abby does when the going gets tough. I'm also thinking... She's not pregnant, not with the drugs and alcohol, but I agree with you two that the pregnancy test might have given a false result. This was, Re- Rebecca said this like mere hours before Abby went into labour on Sunday, I think. Yeah. The toy owner man ring scene was adorable, but also heartbreaking at the same time. And I also agree that if Toya keeps being sickeningly nice to Abby, Abby might just blurt it out. Oh, man. It's kind of similar to what's going on with uh, Lydia and... Well, what was going on with Lydia and Sarah, where one person is allowing the other one to emotionally support them, Mm. even though, obviously, Lydia is, is, like, lying. Mm. But it's really, really hard. Mm. Um, You've moved it too far. Sorry. Um, I... I would love John and if John and Emma if Emma hadn't killed Ted as that's another secret waiting to come out and spoil things. Speaking of John being a perfect boyfriend, that reminded me of the quiz Daisy and Emma was taking. I also really enjoyed the scenes between Emma and Amy. I'm also wondering if this will be Ryan, Brian's exit story or if both Kathy and Brian's exit stories. Like you two, I would be sad to see them go, but in a way I wouldn't be surprised either. Do you think that if like Peter and uh, and Mel were to leave, would they make a and a big announcement it would be like, would we? Uh, it, it it feels like they've been such a small part of Curry over the last few years. They could just leave and then they appear on a little video on Twitter saying, "Yeah, we've left Coronation Street now," and that'd be really sad because, I mean, especially Melanie Hill is a is a is a really kind of big 
you know, a big actress, isn't she? Or she she has been in the past. Peter Gunn was in the Hannah Montana I movie. I know, I know. But um, yeah, I, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me, and that's a shame. It should surprise me if they just this is disappear. Why off. we're saying no more precinct people? <laughs> Rebecca says, finally, I like the Roy and Sam scene, but I felt a little bit, it felt a little bit filler too. Also, I found the book being two sizes bigger than Sam really cute. Character of the week is Sarah, and I give it three and a half sock drawer sock drawer phones out of five. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And we will finish this podcast off with Nancy's messages, who says she loved the Manchester airport scene with Joseph Lindy and Linda and Chesney. <laughs> Enjoyed Bernie and Linda exchanging numbers. And also, we asked last week whether the partner in a blended family gives an opinion on the raising of the children, and Nancy says that she's got friends who are in that situation, and then it is definitely the partner that is the one in her experience no, it's that parent. makes the decision. The parent, sorry, that, yeah. that makes the decision. That's interesting. Any other people want to um, chime in there? Mm-hmm. Lydia pulled out all the stops to set up Adam. I was amazed that he couldn't realise what was go- that going over at Linda's uh, house would be a mistake. Lydia. Lydia. So see, I'm still doing it. Linda. Linda. Lydia. This is three weeks in a row now. It's even written there in front of me. Sarah throwing <laughs> Adam's things out the window was a masterstroke, but I think she should speak to Daisy. She knows exactly what's going on. Mm. Now, is Lydia going to try and hurt Sarah next or set fire to Underworld? Ooh. I kind of think, yeah, please set fire to Underworld because since they had that redesign of it, it's, it's just been a bit dull. It's interesting that Sarah or Adam ne- never go in the sock drawer until the phone is found. That's a really good point. Are they wearing <laughs> the same pair of socks every day? How long has that been in there? Now, I used to not wear socks so much, but it's winter and I f- found myself, now we've got wooden floors, mm. needing more sockage. Yeah. Adam's probably got, you know, tough Scottish ankles. Maybe he doesn't need them. It's not my ankles that get cold, Michael, because they're nicely padded. Oh, It's my tootsies. Nancy's also wondering where uh, where Finn's got to. Nancy. If Abby is pregnant, (laughs) then if she's drinking and taking drugs, she could end up losing the baby. She did. It came out. (laughs) It came out. She lost it, and then she went off with it. Found it again. Imran and Toya belong together. Otherwise, they will break Elsie's heart. Elsie, she's the real victim. She's a mega victim, and all this. Oh, she won't be giggling. I'll miss it. I loved Emma's scenes trying to hide from John. Brief encounter fits this relationship because I don't see how it can be a long-term one. <laughs> I give this episode's, um, this week's episode, three and a half flowers that Sarah chucked in the bin out of five. And for her, the character of the week was Lydia. And that's it. Thank you, everybody, for all your that's feedback. That's an interesting choice. Always. It is an interesting choice. Very lovely to hear from you. Thank you for your emails. Thank you for your tweets. Thank you for your Facebook messages. Thank you if you're commenting on YouTube and everything. Um, it's great Thank to you, hear everybody. From you. We do really enjoy hearing your feedback. What do you think about uh, Abby? What do you think about baby Alfie? If you absolutely hated all the Abby stuff, don't be scared. Yeah. Write in and tell us it's what fine. a load of rubbish it was. It's okay. We'll These disagree are opinions. with you, maybe, but... Yeah. These are just opinions. There are so many other things that are really serious that, you know, you might find yourself saying, I'm sorry, but I simply cannot agree with you. Um, but this is soap, so it's okay. Mm. It's okay. It is absolutely okay. It's fine. Right. I also wanted to say thank you to a new patron that we got this week, Yvonne. Tar very thank much you, for signing Yvonne. up to Patreon. Very lovely of you. And um, that's it, uh, We're really. careering scarily fast into the end of the month, Michael, and we haven't done our Patreon episode for this. 12th of March, we, we're okay. Just because we're we did right. the last one literally at the literal last possible moment, maybe, which was a couple of weeks ago. Maybe the week after next we'll do this week's uh, this month's podcast episode. Which Patreon, will be episode 
31. It will, yeah. So if you're a patron, don't forget, you can have access to all 30 previous episodes of our hilarious and informative top fives of everything from barmaids to affairs, which was our (laughs) most recent one. And if, and barmaids was the first one, did you know that when you said it? Of course. (laughs) Lies. And if you're not a patron, (laughs) then why not enter our competition that we mentioned at the start of the show? Don't forget, if you email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com and tell us, what was our competition question? Oh yeah, what anniversary are we celebrating this year? On the podcast. On the podcast. Not wedding. Um, that's just email and you, you might get a chance to win it so that'd be lovely and also please don't forget our sponsor this episode is Kenner's Chocolate if you need to buy somebody a generic non-label chocolate Kenner's is your choice I thought we were Dempsey's Crisps this month this week I mean I think we've got to do um, a Newton and Ridley beer advert soon but I think that's actually I thought we were Nissan the car with the best if acceleration you need ever. A sporty little number to knit yourselves around the moors while your druggy partner's having a baby. A Nissan sports car could be the car for you. Mm. Or are we some? Uh, are, are we always ultra pads? <laughs> when you're bleeding <laughs> and you don't know the why. Absorbs of leakages. When your yeah. placenta's coming out. <laughs> yeah. Grab yourself some always pads. <laughs> and for all your shopping needs, where the field precinct exactly. is just around the corner. Yeah, just wait six months and not open yet. Yeah. Right, we're done. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week. You know where you can find us on social media. <laughs> we don't need to say. I'm a little tired. We're past 12 o'clock now. We've talked for a very, very long time. He's a little tired. I'm a little chubby. Good night and thanks for listening. Goodbye. The music of this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, oh, oh.